evening and welcome to El Oso Pumar Takes. This is our 216th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show. Double duty today for my guest, as he guested on Meet the Professor earlier, but hopefully we can share some new things. Uh, but I will hoping to share some great bits of uh, conversations that we had over this past week at PCA, as well as other insights as well. But before we get to the guest of honor, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again, releasing a new Vitola in its Liga Bravada H99 Connecticut Corojo portfolio. Announced during its latest Freestyle Live broad, uh, broadcast, Drew Estate has announced that the Liga Pravada H99 Connecticut Grojo Robusto, which is a 5.5 by 54 or 140 millimeters by 54, as they like to say, which is actually a little bit more than 5.5 inches. I just want to point that out. I've done the calculations myself. It's like 5.51, but nobody cares about that. So it's 5.5 by 54. The cigar will debut at the Pennsylvania Bard Smoker that was actually a couple just a couple of days ago. Uh, and uh, I, I've already heard some great things about the cigar. I love the Robusto size. I love that Vitola. And I do love this blend. So you should go out and check it out. Check out your Drew Diplomat Relay Tailor today for the Liga Provada H99 Connecticut Corojo Robusto and smoke one today. So welcome, everybody. This is our 216 takes. So without further ado, it's my pleasure. It's my privilege. And it's my honor to welcome my friend tonight, sponsored by United Cigars, smoke one today and start Living United, Mr. Luciano Mireles of Ace Prime. Luciano, my friend, how are you doing tonight? It is my honor, it is my privilege to be with my great friend, Bear Duplissi. Awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, bro. You know, just kind of uh, two, uh, two shows in one day. Uh, the first one was awesome. You know, we had such a great time. Uh, and I'm pretty sure tonight we're going to rock and roll, too. So I'm very, very uh, pleased, to say the least. Absolutely. This, I mean, I would say long time no see, but uh, I mean, we, we just got to spend uh, some great time together over this last week at, uh, at PCA sure. and what a, what a privilege that was. Thank you so much for, for all the time uh, that I got to spend with you. It was, it was a great time. That was my pleasure, Bear. My pleasure. I, as you know, for me, it's always like uh, refreshing, re-energizing, spend time with you guys and uh, talk about life, talk about tobacco uh, and our passions. We're going to get into some of these tobacco lessons here pretty quick because uh, I do want to actually dedicate the show to somebody. Um, just found something out right before showtime. I didn't get to share it with you because we were just having a couple of technical snafus, but I, I think you'll be okay with it. But uh, but I did want to I did want to ask you this question. This came up uh, this came up quite a bit during this week from other people. Uh, this I want to make it clear this wasn't you who said this. Um, but I was, in, but I've heard it from several different people, uh, that you have a nickname apparently. Um, and that's tobacco Jesus. And I wanted to get, uh, um, I wanted to get your opinion on that. Um, I, I mean, certainly I spent time with you and tobacco and, uh, you certainly have a wealth of knowledge, but, uh, knowing you as I do, I, I wanted to see how you felt about that moniker. Cause I thought it was, I thought it was, I kind of chuckled the first time I heard it. And then I heard several other people mention it. I think, uh, first of all, I think it's a blasphemy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> second, I think uh, it was all like a mem, like a joke. Uh, Wes, which is one of the sales rep for Crown Heads and Ace Prime, he uh, made this mem because he saw my wife sent him a picture that I'm, I'm standing in the, 
uh, nursery of, uh, of, of tobaccos. And, and I'm just kind of doing like this with my hands just to kind of show. And then because, of course, I have three daughters that keep trying to find something to, uh, to tease me and to uh, embarrass me. So they send that picture to Wes. Wes did this kind of, uh, uh, you know, stupid meme. And then everybody's <laughs> like, you know, doing that shit. But again, uh, it's definitely not a nickname. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, um, that all, all kidding aside, though, um, a couple of the things that I learned, not just from you, Luciano, I, I want to start off this with this. This was Brian McGee, another sales rep from, uh, from the uh, strategic alliance between you and crowned heads. Uh, and it, this was really cool. Uh, and I really, I really thought it was a really fun thing. So anyone who's paying attention tonight, uh, next time you're in a, next time you're in a cigar store, I don't advocate necessarily for messing with the construction of cigars, but this is a fun little exercise. I got to say, uh, grab a Fiat Lux, actually grab two because you want to just enjoy it to enjoy it, but grab another Fiat Lux and do this. Slide it up and smoke it like normal for like the first inch. And then Brian McGee does what he did. He, he grabbed one for me. He had me do this. He's like, Hey, I want you to try this out. And then, so I smoked the first inch. He's like, okay, stop. Give me the cigar. And he takes the cigar from me and then he cuts the wrapper off. So exposing about another, you know, quarter inch, inch, half inch of just binder and filler. So no wrapper on this. And I thought this was an incredible exercise. Cause he's like, what do you know about wrapper bear? And I said, well, uh, I said, well, I know that a lot of times it dominates the, the flavor palette of the leaf. And he's like, that's a myth. And, and uh, I'll let you explain the details of it. But basically what happened when I lit the cigar up, um, when I smoked the cigar as intended with wrapper binder fillers, uh, it was a mild to medium smoke, right? The flavor mm -hmm. intensity wasn't as great. It's a, it's a beautiful cigar, very well balanced. You take the wrapper off light it up the cigar's still good but the entire component changes and it's a much much more intense flavor much stronger and not in terms of body and everything but i thought it was i i mean i, I was blown away i was absolutely blown away by it um so yeah so, it, it's here's the thing uh so you you make two assertions here that are um that we have to be careful one is uh the the wrapper is extremely important in a cigar and, and it, it's important in the flavor. But what people don't, most people don't know is that uh, the wrapper plays a very important role in muting uh, some flavors. And, and that's the aspect that you probably got uh, very impressed with the fact that when you remove the wrapper, some things that were kind of hidden or masked under uh, that, that wrapper just became, becomes live right away. So the wrapper is extremely important, but, most of uh, good blenders, they they try to create balance, right? And sometimes that balance is created by using a wrapper that will mute some of uh, things that are in uh, in the fillers. Uh, sometimes it's to balance acidity. Sometimes it's to balance strength. Some sometimes it's actually to hide some of the the uh, the the harshness that strength can bring into a cigar. A uh, good example is what we did with the, um, with the Mazignos. Um, so the wrapper is very important, you know, and I, I love to work with wrappers and binders. I think they're very important to how we blend a cigar. But it is mind-blowing, isn't it? And I love the fact mm -hmm. that Brian McGee was, was doing that because, uh, again, it gives me enormous pleasure 
to find out that you know the the sales team and people out there are are trying and they're experimenting by themselves and discovering you know yeah. things that sometimes just get forgotten or or just people don't talk about because of the lack of information or um lack of information that's that's basically what it is well, I think, I mean, it, it, you're right. It is fantastic. It was great to have that conversation with Brian too, because I've known Brian for years. And and for the portion of our audience who doesn't know who Brian McGee is, first of all, you're missing out on a great personality and a great individual. But yeah. second, second of all, like uh, I've known him for years and I've had dozens of conversations with him. Um, and, you know, a lot about cigars, thought about tobacco, um, nothing this in depth. And it was so much fun and it was, and we were still having a good time. We were, you know, it was at the, uh, the, the, uh, the wine tasting event that you, that you hosted, which you're going to get into in a second. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to light up a Mastignius too. So, um, and, uh, but it was just, it was a really, really, really fun conversation. So when, did, like, is that something that, um, that y'all like that you guys covered when, when Fiat Lux came out or was that something that just kind of, kind of happened you know, along the way. No, I mean the 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 blending process of your Lexus is one hundred percent intentional. So everything was 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 planned ahead of time. But of course, I, I love to travel with with the sales team. You know, like traveling with the sales team is it's amazing because you have the opportunity to discuss these things and talk talk to them and and spend time with them. I think there's not one single time that we do the traveling for. You know cigar events that we don't we don't chat about the cigars you know uh i think there was a time there that just marketing and just kind of selling mystery and, and just kind of talking about stories that's not all the time connected with the product itself was a way to was a way to to uh to sell cigars i firmly believe that that time is is gone I think, of course, people still buy in stories, and stories are important when they're true, of course. But uh, more than that, uh, <laughs> sorry, more, sorry, I didn't mean to chuckle. I just no, no, it's it is it is funny sometimes, you know. Like you hear so many crazy stories out there that that are that just aren't true. But uh, but I think more than that is that uh, people are getting more and more interested in the in the real stories and the background behind the manufacturing, the processing of a premium cigar. And I talked about this today at the Meet, my, uh, meet the Professor with, with Jose Blanco and Carlito and, and Jeremiah. Um, we, we, people are craving truth. People are craving, uh, uh, you know, to know what they're putting in their mouths, where their product came from, and how was the process of fermentation. They want to know it. And, and, and I always use the wine industry as an example because People are consuming more wine in the past 20 years because now they can talk about the grapes, they can talk about the region, where the wine comes from, and, and they brag about their wines. And that's what we want into the cigar industry. The more informed the consumer is, the more he will consume. So uh, I think this is, for me, very clear. It's, uh, it's crystal clear that the market now is completely different than 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um. I mean, the, 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 I've, I've really enjoyed the, the natural progression of the transparency of the, of the cigar industry. We had a kind of a, a dip back into mystery there for a while, be, just because of the FDA concerns and they're still looming. But we had a fantastic victory a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, rather, 
and that was uh, I think that's I think that's going to give back to where we're able to be a lot more transparent about some of these tobaccos and stuff because I think that's for me that's the fun of it um, that's that's kind of what I've really enjoyed and uh, we're going to get into some more of that here in just a little bit but uh, yeah, 100%. I, what's that Luciano I'm sorry I said 100% I think again uh, the more well informed the consumer is uh, the better it is for the entire industry Look at hey, hey look look what happened to the FDA. So uh, the judge Meta who gave that kind of uh, made that comment in his decision about the the, the difference between premium cigars and, and other tobacco products, uh, he states that he says you know there the, there wasn't any information and when information was provided it was ignored, right? So the future of this industry rely in us telling the truth about consumption, about consumption amongst the youth, about the process of fermentation what involves that process. I think it's, it's everywhere. Uh, I mean, if you can't see it, too bad. But I, I, I really believe that the long term of the longevity of this industry relies in people uh, telling the truth and people disclosing their processes, educating, uh, starting with the, 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 you know, the, the retailers, the clients, even the media. You know, like I, I, why I enjoy spending so much time uh, with you, Bear, and Coop, and Ben, and, and John, and everybody that's in a cigar media, because that's the chance we have to discuss these things and talk about these things. And I noticed that just by having these conversations, not just me, I see, uh, I see a lot of other manufacturers doing the same. Uh, you guys feel more confident, and, 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 and you feel more confident about telling people the stories because you experienced, you saw, you just told me the story about that you, uh, the experience you had with Brian McGee, that story will always be with you. And you're going to mm -hmm. be able to tell people your experience and the importance of the rapper in muting flavors, not just adding flavors. Oh, so yeah. this is priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think I'll always remember that story. And that's um, just because I think it was, you know, it was so counterintuitive to what I've like learned about tobacco. Not to say that, not to say that rapper doesn't have flavor. I do. We're going to be talking about binder here in a little bit because I, I have always thought something that you said to me uh, that you said to a bunch of us for the very first time over this past week. And I do want to share it here in just a moment. Um, but um, um, one of the things about um, rappers that I'll, I'll just talk about and too, that um that I think will that I always carried with. Actually, we'll get into that because this is all kind of part of the same conversation. So, but I do because I do want to I, I do want to mention this. This is tonight's major point, and tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind the fun is a motivation for service and motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series. Phoebe Cousins protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what the life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P protocol cigars. And this, and this is what I wanted to get to, Luciana, because, uh, you know, you taught some very valuable lessons over this past week. And I have a hunch that we'll learn some tonight. And I have a hunch that I'll be learning some more from the future. In fact, I've always said that what I love about our conversations the most, this goes from anything that's like a public interview, like what we're doing now to even private conversations is I never walk away from that conversation 
not learning something that I didn't know before. And it's mm-hmm. one of the things I absolutely love about you because uh, you're always teaching me something. Um, and so with that kind note, I would like to dedicate tonight's show to uh, my high school uh, geography teacher, Rick Armour, uh, who I learned just a few minutes before the show started, passed away today. And um, sorry to hear that. Me too. But you know what? He was an older man. And uh, Luciano, I got to be honest, I'm I'm really surprised he lived this long because uh, towards the end of his career in teaching, he uh, he became very ill, um, became very sick. He uh, became uh, disabled in some cases. He never walked. I I never saw him walk. um, I saw never saw him without walk without a walker until he retired. And. And uh, I saw him a couple of years after I graduated from high school. And, was, you know, it was really good to see him. And he was so different and looked like he had this weight lifted on him. And I and I attributed it to him. I said, oh, I guess, you know, teaching really weighed you down over these years. And he's like, no, Bear, I still love teaching. He taught, you know, he taught at his local synagogue. Uh, after he retired, he taught at a couple of other. Um, he was really big into um some couple of other things, including modeling, like models, like building models. Mm-hmm. He taught classes for that and stuff. And, uh, and uh, he said, no, I wasn't teaching. It was just the <laughs> teaching in the public school system that really weirded him out. <laughs> but he was so, he was so alive. Mm-hmm. And he, he, it was look, it was like he aged, uh, like it was like he went back in age and, you know, grew younger by 10 years and everything. And it was, it was so good to see him. That's my last memory of him in person. Yeah. And so I, I really think nice. the, the art of teaching is something very, very uh, powerful and, and, and magical. I think um, I'm very humble when you say that you learn it from me. At the same time, I believe in that uh, called uh, Socratic wisdom. It's when uh, actually when you teach, you are sometimes challenging the other person to uh, rebuke or ask you questions or, um, or add to the conversation. So most of the times that I'm talking about tobacco, and, and I was just talking tobacco to a good friend of mine a few, few hours ago, we went to the cigar shop nearby Long Beach here where I am. And he's also a manufacturer. Uh, and he was, he was, uh, we were talking about tobacco, of course, and he brought some things to uh, for the conversation today that I never thought about. And uh, one of the things I learned with my grandfather is never go to bed without learning one thing. It has, you have to learn one thing a day. It could be oh, okay. uh, a book you read or, or something you didn't think about. Uh, so I I'm always uh, always kept that in my heart, you know, just kind of got to learn something today. got to learn uh, yeah. uh, 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 uh from anything, it doesn't have to be tobacco, you know, it, has, it could be anything in life. Uh, so, and I did learn a lot today. I learned during the days, during the trade show, I learned a lot from you, Bear, as well. Uh, I like to see how people think and where they're coming from, their perspectives. So, yeah, and I, I'm very sorry you lost your, your teacher. I had teachers that changed my life. They were so uh, inspiring and, and they are, you know, responsible for part of who I am. You know, I totally understand the pain and, and, uh, and the loss you're going through right now. And, and you have my sympathy and, and my condolences during this uh, situation. Thank you. 
you know, it's 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 funny. I was thinking about this. Now I could tie in his memory and honor him tonight. And it's it's actually kismet that that it's you and I talking because, like I said, about how I've always felt about our conversations and everything. But um, but it, it it's interesting. There's a there's a there's a comparison here because um, you know, I, I think I've I've I think I've recanted the story of how we met a couple of times on the show. So just a brief sum up, like um oh this is the ipcpr at the time 2019 it's the ace primes first show you walk in with uh nba legends dominic Wilkins, tiago splitter and you sit down and um i mean you know i'd be lying if i said that there wasn't some intimidation there i mean you know i was like okay i didn't know what i was necessarily in for and you you made me feel so at ease and you made me feel like a guest and it was that was that was the day of our first lesson that you taught me and it was the mxs dominic wilkins and how it paired with a stout beer and uh and uh it it, today of all days it takes me back to how you know appearances can be so deceiving because if you know if you knew rick armor uh, my teacher in high school he would stand outside of his class every period before class would start and he just had this very gruff exterior very almost a scowl on his face and so he was an intimidating person you know if if you didn't know him and i remember getting his class i remember walking by him his first my first day with him and like oh gosh what's this gonna be and i everyone had already gotten into class first and there was only one seat left it was in the front row and normally i would sit in the front row anyway i was one of those students but i wasn't really particularly excited about sitting in front of him that close and from the moment that door shut and that moment that he started talking about history and geography it the light went off for me and he had me Mm. he had me from the moment he spoke and and i'll forever remember that um because he became one of my favorite teachers um and it was it was a, it was a great experience that I'll never that I'll never forget. And so it's it's interesting that you know, and uh, coincidental that you and I are talking tonight because it's similar. Fun. You didn't you didn't scare me as much as he did. <laughs> I hope I did. <laughs> but so. um, but nice, uh, very 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 nice man. Um, very 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 smart too. Um, but to that point um, about lessons and stuff. So we're talking about ramp relief. And this was something you taught last year when you were on my birthday episode was about keeping the ash. A lot of people will smoke and they have this huge ash and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, that actually, as you were explaining, that can, that can hinder the flavor. Yeah. So um, the ashes are very important, you know, like the, the color of the ash, how the cigar burns. This is very, very important. I think the myth that needs to be busted is the necessity of, of, uh, uh, keeping a long ash. I think that is not just unnecessary, it's counterproductive, and it's not uh, the, uh, the reflection of, it's not a synonym of, of good construction at all. So, and, and my statement that kind of challenges that thought is that the, e- the more under-fermented the tobacco is, the easiest it is to build ash, a long ash. 
So uh, the more under the more under fermented, the newer, the the fresher the leaf is, more it more it, the more it holds the the ash. And also, uh, the more humidity you have in a cigar, the more the the ashes hold as well. So the ash is very important. You know, if you have you need always one inch, you know, one, one and a half inch. And the function of the ash is basically to keep the cigar lit. But you're going to truly see the construction of the cigar after you ash it out. And then you look at the cigar and you look inside and you see, if you see the cheese or if you see the, 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 the thicker tobaccos are centered, uh, like the Lijero and the Viso and the Secos on the outside, which you can only perceive after you ash out. Uh, having a long ash can mask all uh, defects of construction, actually. Uh, so again, I'm not saying there's a right and wrong. There's a lot of people that do it for fun. And I respect that. I think, you know, uh, this industry needs that fun. And I know there's competitions. I, we have a guy who uh, it's a huge uh, fan of, of what Crown Heads does and what Ace Prime does. And he, uh, he has the saying, like, uh, uh, build the tower, feel the power, something like that. And he tries to kind of always, you know, build the longest ash as possible. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you keep a very long ash, you're going to be smoking tar. So you'll be getting more tar than actually the flavor of the cigar. So you're filtering all the air through that tar, and then you're perceiving the flavor. So that's definitely uh, not a good thing. Yeah. When you tell me that, I, I still do it out of habit sometimes, where I'll keep the yeah. ash going. Uh, yeah. But I've started since you told me that last year. I started doing it less and less, and and I've really, I've really started to notice a lot of the flavor differences and everything. Particularly, I went back to some of my old, like some of my old staples that I know how are really, even though you just said this, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm sorry, but that I know would hold a lot. I'll just say it like this: I know it would hold a long ash. I won't say it's good construction, but I knew it would hold a long ash. And I went back to some of those similar stars, so I started ashing. And, uh, and it, it, I, I did, I noticed some different, definite flavor differences and it was, um, it was really eye-opening. It really was. It was really interesting. So, um, really, uh, really fascinating stuff there. So, you know, to, to kind of go into one of the things that we want, I wanted to talk about tonight, just in general. Um, and then I want to come go back to the trade show as a whole. But I want to talk about the cigar that I'm smoking right now. Are, 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 you, are you smoking a cigar this evening? I am. I'm smoking uh, a Maria Lucia right now. I'm smoking new samples of new things that we are uh, working on. So I have a few cigars in front of me right now. Terrific. So I'm, I've, I lit up the Amas Ignios, um, mm -hmm. the, the 6x52. Okay. And this cigar was... Uh, blended in partnership with uh, it's the regular production um, cigar that was blended in partnership with a um, a winery. That's uh, yeah. The, the, the cigar the, the cigar was so the winery names the cigar. It's called Mas Ignius, and Mas Ignius is a it's a old uh, winery out of Priorat, Spain. That a very good friend of mine few years ago acquired and then I became also a partner uh, a couple of years ago and we're just kind of sitting uh, at the winery one day and smoking cigars and I said what if we make a cigar that would actually truly 
pair with a Priorat wine or a wine with high tannins. And then the challenge became, and, uh, and, and that's Mazigno's cigar now. It's, it's not a cigar that requires you to drink wine with. It's a standalone cigar, a cigar that you can have at any time of the day, um, but was intentionally blended to reach a certain level of pH, almost like a neutral pH. Uh, and we we use it's the first time that we approached blending from a from a different technique. So we we uh, we chemically tested the blends, uh, the acidity of the blends or the pH of the blends uh, before uh, we put in a market, and and that was quite interesting. You know, quite quite an interesting journey. Well, what was fascinating to me that I learned too was you know after we had paired it with the some of these wines um, is. I'm wine is one of those tricky things that I've never I've I've certainly enjoyed wine and cigars before but personally I've just never been able to find that really nice compliment of mm-hmm. wine and cigars um uh, that's like perfect perfect is such an overinflated world word but like that I was like oh man this is it this is nailed right and um what was really interesting about that evening when we we did we had the experiment was um, I knew what we were doing. I would, I went into with my own skepticism just because of past history and everything like that. But I was call it an enjoyable evening, call it an enjoyable cigar, call it an enjoyable wine. But I enjoyed the pairing so much that I didn't even think about it. Like it didn't contrast or anything like that. So I think I mean. Don't want to put words in your mouth, Luciano, but is that, I mean, is that kind of what you were going for when you were talking about, you know, finding a pairing that would work for, for the wine? Yeah, I think it's extremely hard to pair wine with cigars. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big challenge. A lot of people talk about it, but I, I personally haven't experienced that many cigars that can truly be paired with wine, um, especially uh, bold wine, uh, bold wines. Uh, I find it kind of, Relatively common to see some some cigars that have high acidity being paired with like Pinots or, or even like what we did with the Traveler and, and Champagne, but like the 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 bold wines are something that's really hard. And also, people usually think that if you're not drinking a spirit, therefore the cigar needs to be mild in order for you to pair with the wine. And what we did here is completely the opposite. Uh, and that's a good example of how the binder and the wrapper can play a very important role into muting. Uh, strength. So you have a triple hero in that Toro. I was hoping you talk about this. Okay, this is crazy. And, and, you, and you still can have with the wine, and that cigar does not overpower uh, the wine, does not overshadow the wine, and vice versa. So how can you how can you build a cigar with such a strength without uh, completely round, without any any harshness? Uh, it's it, it's by leveling the pH, and then and the pH kind of masks a little bit of that strength and, and, and it works apparently. Yeah. Um, so, so this is a, it's the construction. This is, there's, this is a Corojo 98 Ecuadorian high priming wrapper. The That's binder cool. is Brazilian. Uh, Apuraca or? Apuraca. Yep. Apuraca. And then like you said, uh, triple a hero Nicaraguan fillers. Um, and when you've told me that I, I, my mind. I, I mean, I, I mean, it blew, it literally blew my mind because this was not like a poncho in the mouth cigar. It's still not, I'm not pairing it with wine or anything. I'm drinking mineral water. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's such a balanced cigar. There's a lot of great flavor to it. Um, 
and I'm I think I'm even enjoying it more now. Um, so I'm in a similar what, what, situation because it's still hot here. <laughs> I'm in if Texas. You have, if you have a uh, a a straight cutter, if one you can do this live. Uh, just cut a little bit of that wrapper out and try without the wrapper. Uh, and, then you, and you see what happens and you can maybe tell the, your audience uh, live. Uh, what let, happened me, let me get the ashtray because this is going to be embarrassing. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> and right, meanwhile, I do have someone who asked a question here about um, what about purging cigars when you blow air through the cigar after you wash it out? So usually the purging happens when there's a lot of humidity and your cigar is uh, heating up too fast. So uh, cigars are meant to be smoked. Uh, you, you should have a feeling of a cold smoke in your mouth. When the smoke comes too hot, it's because the, the cigar is over humidified or you're smoking too fast. So uh, that, that's when sometimes, especially when you're blending at the factory where the cigars are still a little uh, over uh, humidified, uh, what we do, we light up the cigar, uh, we wait until the cigar fades away, then we light up again, and then we blow uh, air uh, to cool it off because we, we want to we experience that smoke cold and not warm, uh, which we can actually use that example to uh, rebuke another myth, which is a smoking cigars to the nub. And that one, I'm going to get killed by saying it, but I will anyways. Um, Smoking cigars to the nub, it's usually a very unpleasant experience. I know there are some very good tobaccos that we love and then we want to smoke the whole thing. And I totally understand and also respect that. But from a, let's say from a technical standpoint, uh, when you smoke a cigar and you start salivating, uh, all that saliva, it's penetrating the leaves. Um, and at the very end, the cigar is soaking wet. So when, when, when you get the final inch of a cigar and you smoke into the nub, you're basically getting all that heat. And that can be very unpleasant because you're getting a lot of sourness from the, from the, uh, the saliva. You're getting uh, uh, some bitterness too. And as you and I talked before, you know, uh, if you're talking about a long filler cigar, usually the tip of the leaf has more concentration. Not usually. The tip of the leaf has more concentration of flavors and strength. The middle is more balanced. And the bottom of that leaf, which is usually where you are uh, uh, putting your mouth on, is the, the part of the leaf that has less flavor and less strength. Uh, and sometimes it's a part that can be uh, bitter. Uh, the old Arsenio Ramos used to compare a leaf of tobacco to a woman. Uh, you know, he did in a very sexist way, but you can, you can actually imagine a man as well. I mean, if you are a girl watching this, uh, he used to say that the tip of the leaf is the young woman, has always one action, that's always, you know, with a lot of uh, energy and strength. Um, uh, but you can get tired sometimes, you know. And, and the middle middle part of the of the leaf is the perfect balance, like 30-year-old woman or man uh, who, uh, who delivers, you know, flavor, delivers uh, uh, body, uh, but doesn't overwhelm you. But the bottom... It's the old woman. Sometimes uh, things can be a little bureaucratic. Sometimes uh, it can be bitter. So, uh, again, uh, there's no right and wrong in smoking cigars, but uh, I always recommend people not smoking to the nut. And not because, you know, 
I want them to smoke my cigar, entire cigar. But the truth is uh, that nub, it's full of humidity now because you put it in your mouth for more than an hour and it's sucking up all that saliva. At the end, you have that kind of 100% wet tobacco and you're smoking that. I think it's another myth. You know, I know people like to kind of put the sticks and smoke to the very end. I mean, it's doable. You can do, we can do without over humidifying, but usually it's tobaccos that uh, are not making you salivate too much or uh, are uh, just, you're just smoking so slow that, that you can still keep that, uh, that nub going. But um, I do not recommend. So there, there are very few cigars I've found where you can, I can smoke it all the way to the nub and enjoy it. Cause like you said, it usually gets pretty bitter um, yeah. and it's just, the flavors aren't enjoyable anymore. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't say it's a bad cigar if I can't have that experience. It's very, it's so rare that, yeah. like you said, it's just, it, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do how the cigar tastes. Okay. So I took off the wrapper and um, I'm smoking it now. So this isn't, it's not as drastic as a difference as the Fiat Lux, uh, Lux experiment, mm-hmm. but there is a, there is a, there is a um, very, very, um, there is a very difference in terms of intensity with that flavor and stuff. So. Have you noticed that when you remove the wrapper, the cigar becomes sweeter? Because now is the, the rapiraca flavor is, is, is basically uh, a little more predominant. And that's mm-hmm. why you get a little more of the combustion too, because the okay. binder process to have more combustion as well. So uh, when you remove the wrapper, you have almost like an oversweetness that would uh, not work well with the wine. So now the combination of the binder and the wrapper it's what kind of, uh, you know, mutes a little bit of that strength and delivers a, a very pleasant flavor. And then when you're halfway through, you notice that, depending what you wait, of course, before, but uh, Coop got that as well. Like you get a little more of the chocolate notes. Uh, right. Or feeling, you know, on your halfway through. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Um, so I was honestly, I was a little embarrassed to say it. Um, but yes, I do get that sweetness that you're talking about. I was like, there's no way this is right. There's no way my palate's right on that. Uh, so I'm glad you made me feel better. Um, yeah, it's, no, there, it's, it's another right point. There. Like uh, we, are, we are muting that sweetness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, but, it, but, it, but even with the, the muting of the flavor and everything, and I think that's like, as we're kind of having this conversation, I don't want to like misconstrue, like, like, well, why is he muting the sweetness? It's like, well, all you have is the sweetness of the cigar. Then it, it's, it's pretty one dimensional. And this is the whole, this is the whole art of blending is to create. Exactly. You're absolutely right. So if it was oversweet, uh, usually uh, the, the, the sweetness has uh, some sort of alkalinity connected with the sweetness and salt has more acidity connected with. Uh, there are situations where sweetness is acidic as well, especially like in fruits, like pineapple and things that are sweet, but also has that kind of sourness with it. But usually in tobacco, when you find sweetness is the presence of magnesium. So the magnesium gives, gives the sensation of sweetness and arapiraca has a lot of magnesium. So that, that sweetness can become extremely, uh, can overshadow uh, some other flavors. That's why uh, muting there is very important. Yeah, I, 
So um, what's really, really, I, I wanted to note this on this, this show because I wanted to smoke. This is the second time that I've smoked the Mossy Mios. I, third, excuse me, my, my apologies. Um, it's the first time in this size. Um, and this is the, this is the, this is the cigar that Coop smoked more of at the trade show than anything else. Yeah, I think he had five of these and he doesn't smoke a lot during the trade show just because we're, we're working quite a bit. Uh, and for him to smoke something more than once is, is usually a, a good sign. Um, but he really enjoyed this blend. And, um, even though I'm in similar conditions in terms of heat and everything, I would say that I'm, I'm enjoying it much more this time than before. Um, but the wine, I want to talk about the wine for a second because this was really interesting. I'm, I've been a huge fan of Spanish wine, Grenache, specifically Grenache mm -hmm. wine um, in the past. And the white wine that we had that night had Grenache in it. And mm -hmm. I was over the moon. And I'm not a white wine drinker by any stretch. I was over the moon about that particular wine. That was awesome. Um, that you guys were able to put Grenache in a white wine. Um, just absolutely yeah, they, 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 they use white Grenache too, but uh, that, that white wine was made of red Grenache. Unbelievable. Um, so uh, when you make wines, basically all the, the which has a connection with, uh, with the Mazignos too. Uh, we do have a lot of red Grenache into the M wine, which is the one that uh that we 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 inspired you know uh to build the cigar but the uh, the skin of the of the grapes is what gives the, the 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 red color if you look inside of any red grape it's always white so it's always the 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 pulp is always always white uh and the skin is what carries the tannins the skin is the only part of the grapes where you can find protein protein so everything else is carbs. And the protein is what kind of uh, makes the, the, that coloration sometimes stick to your teeth. And that's when you see your, your teeth is red, you know, with wines of high tannin. Uh, and that can only be possible because of the protein adheres to the tissue of your mouth, which is, which is part of the whole, uh, the whole uh, idea of, of, of the blend as well, of the cigar. But yeah, I mean, you can make uh, you can make uh, white uh, wines from from any red grape. It's how you uh, how you process that. How much of the skin you you put in a in the wine, and and you can always filter the wine too to kind of uh, you know usually the Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, it's always filtered as well because otherwise it will be a, a kind of yellowish coloration, just like the Chardonnay. But Sauvignon Blanc, you know, you probably notice that's a little clear, more close to white like mm -hmm. what transparent then um then chardonnays it's all because of the filtering process as well yeah, it was it was really really fascinating i first time i obviously had ever had um red ganache as, as a in a white wine expression um so are these are these wines available uh in the u.s they are now uh this wines they have been uh well distributed in, in europe for a long time and we we just signed a contract with a very large distributor here in the united states called park street they're out of uh, florida and also california and uh we have already signed distribution in 20 states we're still working with uh other states to cover as much of the country as possible but it's something that's hitting the market right now 
Let me guess, Texas is giving you a lot of trouble. Not really. We got a good conversation with uh, the Shubert in Texas. Uh, looks like this week will be a very important week to, uh, you know, define that. And uh, I think the wine will be, you know, widely available. We, we got very good ratings from wine enthusiasts and decanter in all the in all the wines that we're bringing uh, to United States, including the M. They got a 93 by wine enthusiast and the Dreamer as well. We got a very good rating. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to if we can get it widely available. Texas is such a notorious for just giving new, you know, new, um, spirits, wines, beers, getting distribution in the States always been historically a headache. So if you guys have made some real good headwits, that's really good news, uh, that it'll be here yeah. soon. So, uh, cause I'm interested in, I'm definitely interested in having it again, particularly with the cigar, but just in general, it was a very enjoyable experience. So. Um, but just to kind of go back a little bit here. So I really appreciate this kind of deep dive into some of these tobaccos and everything, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the, on the trade show in general. So we just can, you know, the, the annual PCA trade show uh, concluded this past uh, um, Tuesday. And uh, first of all, I, I want to congratulate you, Luciano. I think, um, I think you all had a, from, from where I sat, I thought you all had a very successful show. Um, I think, you know, you know, last year I said that you guys were the, um, you guys had the, the, the number one, the number one trade show uh, booth and, and just show in general, for, as far as like a company's perspective. Um, I would argue that you guys were, were up there again, uh, definitely in the top three, arguably one or two as well. And, um, and there was, there were some other great, other great booths and other great experiences that were on the trade show floor, but I think you guys absolutely crushed it again. Um, I mean, but, uh, from y'all's perspective, I mean, how did, uh, how did that, uh, how did that, all, did, did, did everything go as planned? I think so. I think we have a very busy year again. Uh, thankfully, I think all the, the sales team were busy all the time and with appointments scheduled every 30 minutes and, and people showing up even without appointments. So it was, I think it was a great year. Of course, we had, uh, more products uh, at this trade show we had the products from team osner that we manufacture at our factory as well uh you know it's returned to the industry so there's there's a lot of buzz around that we had the crown heads new two new launches as well and as well as ace prime so it was uh basically six products being presented at the trade show uh and the sales i think were great and uh, i want to actually give a big shout out to miguel Chaudel who managed this whole uh, this whole uh, booth, you know, by uh, by having a really well-trained team working. And uh, I, I own a lot to that guy because he's, he's definitely the heart and soul of the sales force. Uh, also, everybody else, I want to mention all their names because I think Ed Trevino did this amazing job as well. David Payne, Brian McGee, uh, Wes, our brokers, you know, Miguel. Chaveta. I mean, everybody worked their ass off and they're busy all the time. Everybody was exhausted at the end of the day, but really happy. And everybody was feeling accomplished by, by what, uh, what we delivered to the show. Good products. Uh, we proudly can say that uh, for the, just because we manufacture all these products, that's not a single product that we put out there that was not outstanding. Of course, I'm biased to, to say that, but I think uh, that's not, you know, it would be hard to kind of say this one is better than this. I think everything is, was outstanding. I think the, the, the consumer, the public will recognize it once they put their hands on. So 
I, I did want to talk. Uh, I want to talk about the manufacturing of other products here a little bit more in depth. But since you brought up, you know, the strategic alliance with Crown Heads, I did want to. I did want to ask you this because you mentioned this, and so did John Huber. And I thought it was interesting because I had these same thoughts last year um, with in specific to the blend for Le Patissier. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting blend. And I remember smoking it and I remember I didn't not not enjoy it. But when I smoked it, I thought that I thought for whatever reason, I can't even tell you why. But I was like, this blend, I think, would be different and i probably would enjoy it more in a different vitola and Mm -hmm. i couldn't quite put my finger on it but i remember you and john actually mentioning this at at the trade show that these these launch of these new vitolas in the le patissier kind of brought a you know brought a little bit more vibrance to the blend can you can you go into that a little bit of why why that uh necessarily so yeah, I think it was not much as necessary, but it was a was a decision that uh, John made, and I and I applaud him for for making it because I think uh, the blend was originally made not in the that that size that that came out last year, uh, but that a size that John wanted to put it out, and I think it was a great blend in that size. I, I still think it was a was a, an amazing cigar. Now the 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 main thing is uh, working with broadleaf. It's always a challenge, and I told you this before. It's it's uh, it's almost like a paradox. It's the easiest cigar to make, and it's the hardest cigar to make. It's the easiest because anything you put with broadleaf, the broadleaf is so predominant, it's such a flavorful leaf that uh, that you know it covers all the sins. Now it's hard because it doesn't mute. <laughs> Or it does yeah. too much muting, or it does too much muting. Yeah, sometimes it does mute. You know, some some other flavors. Uh, and and the the thing is, choosing the primes, it's really hard on broadleaf because almost everything is is extremely uh, thick. You know, on broadleaf, even the low primes are not actually thin. Uh, it it has a it, it's a type of leaf that has so much density. Uh, that, that, you know, it's not easy to work with. And I think on the smaller bitolas, um, it's harder because uh, some of, sometimes you get the perfect priming for, uh, for the bitola and sometimes you, you don't. I mean, you have to use the entire plant, you know. You can just, uh, you cannot just select 5% of, of that plant to make uh, one specific bitola when you're launching a cigar that more than a hundred thousand of that of that specific cigar, or, or sometimes even more. Uh, I think now with the new sizes, you get a much better expression of what that blend is. Uh, you get way more, uh, I would say, identity. Uh, you know, in the cigar, I think people enjoy that cigar very much. Uh, and also, you know, it gave us a chance to tweak a little bit. So I think people will like it. Yeah, I'm really excited about the new Vitolas of it. Um, I just, because um, I, like I said, the blend was really fascinating before. And I just, for whatever reason, I just thought that a different Vitola would 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 be a little bit different of an expression that I might enjoy more. Uh, not that I didn't and, enjoy And by the much. way, all, all the credit to John Huber, who uh, who decided to uh, expand the Vitolas and, 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 and have us uh, build those, those blends in these different sizes. Think was a great uh, great idea. So um, 
and just for those for those that are curious and everything uh we've got um so there's if if i'm correct there's four new vitolas correct yeah it so, comes in four four new vitolas so the senadores which is a six and one eighth by 48 uh the number 50 which is four and three eighths by 50 so just shy of the five by 50 traditional robusto size mm -hmm. the kind of I'm going to butcher the, the Cananazzo. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Five and seven eighths by 52. That's a Vitola, uh, kind of like a Robusto extra that I've started to really enjoy. Uh, obviously, it depends on the blend, but I've just kind of started really enjoying that size. And then number 54, which is uh, very similar, a little bit bigger of a gauge, five and three eighths by 54. Uh, yeah. So really excited to see that. And uh, the blend is the same. Um, you know, broadleaf uh, wrapper, as you were talking about, uh, Nicaraguan binder, um, and um, the filler Costa Rican, Nicaraguan, Ometempe, and uh, Pueblo Nuevo specifically. So I wanted to talk to you about this. So, so again, again, this might be the whole myth buster thing too. So specifically the in the Le Patissier, the binder is Jalapa which if anyone spends any time around tobaccos, the, the, the common the common, uh, I guess, impression that Jalapa tobacco typically gives is one of sweetness, and broadleaf can be particularly sweet. But was that was that particularly challenging for you, or was it just the right, finding the right tobaccos that balance, like we've been talking about? So again, it, Jalapa has the sensation of sweetness depending on what you combine, especially if it's if it's predominant Jalapa, then you feel some sweetness. So the the Jalapa binder is extremely important to. Um, contrast and, and almost like take away of that kind of over earthy uh, flavor of the broadleaf because jalapa has high acidity. So the, the binder, it's very important for the blend, uh, you know, for this specific blend. So the jalapa was the way to go. Awesome. I, I, I really have just found this and we're going to, we're going to talk more about this here in just a little bit, because I want to get into it with the next blend, but just going back to, again, going back to the trade show overall, like, which you know, I, I know you, you, like you said, you were really busy and everything like that, but I'm sure you had a little bit of time to kind of look around. What was your overall impression of this year's trade show compared to last year's and uh, compared to your first show? Like what, what, uh, what impression did you have of just overall? I think, I think the first show was great for us because it was the, the introduction of our brands. This was even before uh 2018 right so it was before the the alliance uh, but you know it was very important we, we opened you know a lot of accounts and that helped us uh have a feeling for for the market it's hard to say my impressions of the first show because everything was so new uh i think this year i felt like this optimism uh you know everybody was happy about the 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 fda uh uh you know, it was, it's not even a resolution yet, but it was a, was a very positive outcome from, uh, from that federal judge decision. Uh, I think also people, the truth is 2021 was a very good show as well. I know we keep talking about the, the four that, uh, that was not present, but for medium-sized companies, small companies, that was great. You know, so as you saw last year, we wrote a lot of business. And I think that that was good for almost everybody. And the word spread out. People knew that the show was good last year. 
and they wanted to come and see with their own eyes. And at the end, and a good thermometer was the opening uh, reception. So where we had maybe about 900, maybe a thousand people last year. And this year, if I'm not wrong, I know that some of the PCA guys are watching. They can say if I'm right or wrong. I'm not sure, but I've heard that we hit somewhere around 1,700 at the opening party and the traffic and the show. I think it was the numbers were uh, bigger than uh, 2016, apparently. So there, there was more people there. I think business-wise, was very similar to last year, to uh, the majority of, of the, the people that were there. Um, and it was a great show. I, I've heard already that actually some of the, those four already committed to come next year because they, they, they realized the, the importance. Now, is, is this a perpetual business model? Is this how the future of the cigar industry will be based in trade shows? I'm not sure about that. I still think that, uh, you know, we have to reinvent ourselves in terms of how we present the products to the market. Uh, I think there was a lot of disbelief into uh, PCA. And and I'll I'll tell you this with all my heart. I think this new administration, which I'll mention here name by name, you know, Scott Pierce, uh, Josh uh, Harbuski, and... uh, all those guys that are working now and, and uh, as executives uh, for uh, for PCA, I think they did an amazing job. I think they did an amazing job. I think the executive committee is giving them a little more freedom to work as well. And I felt like uh, Scott Person, Josh, they have all the merit for uh, this this turnaround. And 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 I think they did. Uh, they communicated better uh, with the uh, with the members. I think they're communicating better with the media. I think they're willing to learn and to adapt and to change. And I, I give kudos to these guys. I think they did an amazing job, and I think the trade show was a huge success. I, I agree, Luciano. The um, I saw uh, Josh Haberski and Glenn Loop uh, at the uh, Casa Fuente after the trade show. I concluded uh, the. Coalition team Coop, Ben Lee, and Aaron Nielsen, myself, we went there. I saw them and and I told them this and I stand by it. I, I uh, they should this is a show they should be proud of. Um, I think they should uh, I and I think they are. I think they are proud of it and they should be. Um, I think um, the positivity was absolutely sensational. Um, um, and it made for a good trade show. Like you said, the decision really helped. But I think even if that decision hadn't come down the way that it did, um, if it had gone the other way, I'm certainly, I'm sure it would have, it would have definitely affected things, but if it hadn't happened at all, I think we would have had the same result. Honestly, I really yeah. do. Um, because I think the vibe was just really positive going into it. And I think it did a really good job. Um, but um, so that, that was um, something that I really enjoyed. Um, I also liked it because it was, there were a lot of brands that hadn't, been there in the past, smaller new companies, mm-hmm. uh, which is always exciting. Uh, and, um, you know, some people who had returned that weren't able to attend last year for one reason or another, either a decision was made or just, you know, just weren't able to come for whatever reason. But I thought that was also um, really exciting and, yeah. and, and really awesome to kind of see them again as well. Um, so um, as the, uh, as the, like you said, not necessarily knowing where the future of the trade show lies in this, in terms of this kind of style and everything, 
What, what do you think is one thing in 2023 that people should watch out for or look for? Not necessarily a bad watch out, but just like what, what, uh, what's a prediction of sorts for 2023 that we, that we should all keep our eye on? Oh, that's a tough question. I think the, uh, the market is, seems a little predictable right now, more than the previous years. Uh, I feel like the, uh, the consumption of, of premium cigars are increasing in a very kind of healthy and solid manner. I think there was a boom that's, that's undeniable, but I think things are more stable now. I think consumers are, are looking for diversity of products. I honestly, I have seen a lot of uh, clients that used to care just kind of three, four major house of brands now opening up to uh, new things. Uh, when I say new things, I'm talking about boutique companies that are not new. They're there, but they're just uh, so accustomed to the easy work, which is like, you know, I'll just sell this, this, and this brand because that's what it's known. That's what people are looking for. I think now there is a big migration from that 30% of cigar gigs. I mean, I mean, from the 70% of adventure smokers into the 30% of cigar gigs. So there's more adventure smokers becoming regulars. And this guy wants quality. They want, they want diversity. And I think what you should expect in the next trade show, it's, it's these companies, these boutique companies like Ace Prime, Crown Heads, uh, now Osner Family Cigars, uh, CLE, Alec Bradley. I, I think you see a tremendous growth in a more like uh, stable way. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know much about the the very, very small guys. I think it's uh, – um, Here's, here's my thoughts. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get crucified here by saying this, but I I've been there. You know, uh, I'll tell you this. I don't know if you remember, but in 2018, we were the only new company. Yes. You remember that? Yeah. Because everybody was afraid of what was going to happen with the FDA. Everybody was saying, "No, oh, you guys are crazy. How are you launching company right now with this environment, where people have to pull their products out of shelves at any time, and you launch new brands." So I believe that's the best time to do it. That's when you have the opportunity. That's when you have the attention, and and uh, and it's a, it's a bet in a bigger uh, from a bigger perspective from a bigger picture. I think now, as much as I celebrate everyone that's coming to the industry, all the, the the small guys, I celebrate that because I've uh, you know we've been there. I think we are we are still uh, very small in comparison to other companies, but I think we have. Uh, it looks like next year will be the year of this medium-sized companies more than ever mm-hmm. because companies, they are somehow vertical. They are uh, sustainable. Uh, I think brands, they might suffer a little bit if they don't have a strong manufacturer behind them. Uh, it's going to be hard for them, in my opinion. Uh, I agree. I just think that uh, there is a lot of uh, inconsistencies. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in behind the scenes when it comes to availability of tobacco, uh, willingness to uh, to manufacture. So I think uh, it will be probably a year of companies who have strong agreements with manufacturers, or that have you know their own manufacturing, or they have a, a long uh, game plan. You know, um, 
again, you're always dependable. If you are a brand that does ha- does not have a manufacturing, you're always dependable of of the willingness of other people to make your cigar, and and that should be always taken in consideration. You know, you can have a strong alliance, you can build you know strong relationships. Those I believe will be uh, will benefit. You know, if you have that strong relationship, if you have a good relationship with manufacturers, especially manufacturers that grow their own tobacco, I think that will be. Uh, that will be, uh, you know, their their momentum. Um, I'm not so sure about uh, smaller, uh, you know, brands that don't don't have that. I, I agree. I mean, like uh, we talked about in 2018, I thought that was the last time that I was ever going to see a brand launch in the fashion that you all did. Um, you know, bringing a lot to market, um, really, you know, pushing out a lot of stuff. Um, to and um, and having the infrastructure behind it to be able to do it, I think that's going to be key. Like you said, having the infrastructure behind it to do it, I'm I'm excited at the anticipation that maybe I'm wrong about that assertion. That maybe that maybe Ace Prime's launch won't be the last in my lifetime to see that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hopeful that someone else could can because it you know if. We continue to grow as an industry and get stronger as an industry. It's only better as the industry. So yeah. um, I, I agree 100. percent And and you know, a lot of manufacturers, the big ones, and Fuentes says that all the time. Like, you know, the more the better, the more people the better. And I agree. I think the more diversity we have, the more people willing to make good cigars and to bring add to the industry. Uh, of course, there's more competition, but I think those are these are healthy competitions, you know. And um, and, and the, the cigar industry is definitely different than any other industry. You know, I, I, this trade show for me was great to solidify more and more friendships. Uh, we had a lot of customers at the trade show floor that buy our tobacco that I had a chance to uh, solidify more a relationship. People that are clients for years, um, people that we trade tobacco, uh, you know, friends from the industry that we sometimes only see each other, you know, couple of times a year. And I think for some reason, this optimism that I was telling you uh, kind of helped, you know, uh, more of, the, of these bonds. So again, it, this industry requires a little bit of altruism. And, and that, that's something that people don't understand. So why, what's the reason why I make a private label for, uh, for uh, like a smaller uh, brand or someone who is starting? It's, it's because of empathy. You know, there's uh, at the end of the day, is you doing something without expecting anything in return? Of course, there's the business aspect. We want to sell cigars, but again, what what takes a, a very large company to support a smaller guy into one boutique brand? You know, right? I think I think it has to be some. It has to have some level of altruism. It goes beyond just a business strategy, and I think this industry has that passion behind and. People like to create new things. I particularly, I'm extremely excited about these guys from ATL. I was just about to mention them. Yeah. I want to mention them out loud. I think they are one of the nicest people I ever had the chance to interact with. And and we make those cigars with a lot of pride. I think one of the things about our factory too, is that we don't have different tiers. Uh, We make uh, private labels with the same effort and passion that we make our own cigars. So uh, what we make for Crown Heads, what we make for ATL, what we make to Ace Prime has the same level of commitment, passion, and quality of tobacco. Yeah, um, Leroy and Peter were really, I was really impressed with them. Um, I haven't had any of the cigars. I still haven't smoked with them. They gave me one of their cigars, which you make, 
uh, at the trade show. And, but it was my first time meeting them. I was very impressed with them. I really, um, their enthusiasm is infectious, which is really great. I love it that. Is. Uh, and um, you're talking about good people, people are yeah. good heart. That's what we need, man. At the, at the end of the day, bottom line is that we just need good people. People of good intention that uh, that do what they do that goes beyond just uh, the the money making aspect. You know, these guys what they do for their communities, what they're building in Atlanta is just amazing, it's just phenomenal. And I applaud them. I have no problem with. Uh, I know there's a lot of companies who are very cautious about supporting other brands because they think it's a competition. I don't give a fuck. I got to be honest to you, man. I I'm so tired of that, and I. I just I just say what I think and what I feel, um, and I can tell you right now that these guys will go far because they have the heart in the in the right place. Leroy, Peter, uh, you know every everybody involved in that company they do an amazing job. That's awesome. They're um, like I said, they were they were such wonderful people to meet. We had a couple of couple of great interactions with a few people and. And, and I, I kind of took to heart what you said that night at the wine tasting. Um, and I've always known this about you, um, but you verbalized it in a much different way about it's, you know, it, the cigars, it's, of course, it's, it brings, it brings us all together. It's an art. It's a craft that you have uh, worked tirelessly to, uh, to perfect in a lot of ways. And you've come up with some amazing creations that speak to not just my palate, but, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of others. But um, the one thing you said was it's about the people. And, and I really kind of went into the remaining days of the trade show with that mindset, you know, yeah. and I've, I've, I've kind of always been, I've always thought of this podcast in particular about is about the people It's about the person sitting across from me virtually and uh, a, the good conversations that we've had over the years. So um, to so thank you for that for that inspiration it was um it while it's always kind of been my mindset it kind of gave me renewed vigor within that mindset so i appreciate it hey, listen it, it is it is about the people it is about the people always um i think and i, I and i respect deeply people who work their ass off to uh sustain their families to build wealth and and change the world uh they're just not gonna self-center into what they can get for themselves. I, I respect that a lot. Uh, but I do, I got to say something, man. I know some people that have the same freedom I have, which is the freedom to do this by choice. And, uh, and I can mention several names here. Even, even like guys that are consolidated here. Do you really think that Carlito couldn't retire tomorrow and stop everything? Don't you think that the humans could do that at any time? Even Alec Bradley, who's behind those guys, are already, you know, they achieved a lot already in the industry. Uh, I think they do because they are truly passionate about what they do. And in, in our case, at Ace Prime, it isn't different. So that gives you so much freedom. Like, uh, I'm not doing this because I, I, I have to, I'm doing this because I love to. And, and, and so you're not tied to, uh, to certain uh, fears that some other people have. You know, yeah. so I, I built so many things from scratch. And, and for me, building a prime together with Tiago and Pichardo 
was one of the greatest things that uh, I've done in my life. And, uh, and we, we are not even, we haven't even begun, you know, this is, this is just the beginning of a, of a long journey that uh, brings me a lot of pleasure. And when we say it's about people, for me, the first thing that comes to my head, it's the people uh, that we have in Nicaragua. It's people that we have in the sales team of Crown Heads. It's people that depends on what we do. It, so what would happen if tomorrow I would stop my business? What if someone comes to try to hurt my business? And so they'll be hurting a lot of people, a lot of people that depend on what we do. You know, I might not need this to survive, but I know uh, hundreds, hundreds of people that uh, need this business to, to succeed so they can survive. And, and those are the people that we care about. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of been your mentality since the first time I sat down with you in 2019. And that was very, I mean, that's been a consistent thing and it's received different reiterations along the way. And we'll talk about one in just a moment here, but I think it's, I think it's really important to, to highlight that you know, and continue to highlight that every time we speak and every time, and you do that in, in a variety of ways. And it's not the, it's not this tired expression of, oh, we're about the people. And, and it's just kind of like left hollow and empty. Yeah. It's there's, there's, there's always a preceding example of what you're yeah. doing and, and these, and these steps that you're taking. In fact, we'll go ahead and talk about one here in just a second. Um, and Barry, Barry, we'll, just yeah, a second. And I, I want to take this opportunity because I usually, we don't mention names, but I'll give another example. Like what Jonathan Drew does, he doesn't need to do it, man. He's there because he loves that thing. He loves to be yeah. creative. He loves to develop, you know, new products and, and do what he does. Uh, I, I had a great conversation with Dan from McAuliff. I think he's watching uh, right now. He's another Dan, example Dan of, yeah, of oh, gosh. a company who is reinventing themselves, who kind of adjusted their message, and they're doing a great job. They, they have their own, uh, own tobacco. They have their own uh, manufacturing and they're willing to uh, to adapt, to change, to learn, and they're doing a great job, you know. Like, and the people have good heart. Do you think the McAuliffe needs this business to survive? He doesn't, and he's oh. doing it because his passion about, and he make yeah. and, and that passion became contagious. There's a lot of people that uh, they have lots of brand ambassadors, and and again, I have no problem talking about uh, friend competitors because, again, I I believe from the bottom of my heart that it is good for the industry. Um, it, it's interesting that you mentioned them specifically because I, I, I agree. And I mentioned this, I was a guest on, on, uh, on Friday smoke night live, uh, with, uh, Eric Gatormson, uh, for cigar dojo. And we talked about McAuliffe specifically. And one of the things that I found, and, and I know that you appreciated this and I know you appreciate it because of your, your talk earlier tonight about transparency. Mm-hmm. And their transparency to their ultimate customer, the retailer, and to the customer as well has been, I mean, absolutely mind blowing. I mean, no one has gone to the extent of explaining how they got to where they are and way the steps that they're going to, that they're taking to where they want to be like they have um, in a very unique way. I mean, they talked about how the mistakes that they made uh, from the way that they went about marketing their brand, the mistakes they made about the way that they sold brand, their sold their brands, sold their cigars, and the adjustments they're making today to truly support brick and mortar. They they put out a mission statement 30 months ago that explained exactly what they were going to do. 
Mm-hmm. And in a lot of in the corporate world, as you know, Luciano, a lot of times that doesn't mean that doesn't mean jack shit. I mean, people can yeah. put mission statements out all day long. They don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did it. They did exactly yeah, it, what they said seems, they were going to do. It's it and it's continuing. Like uh, it seems like I don't know Amanda well, but it seems like Amanda and especially Dan Thompson is is responsible for the clarity. And I uh-huh. think uh, uh, they will they will actually harvest good fruits of their decision, and to a step back, look again, and what I've seen in terms of uh, not just branding but quality of their product, and and you know it's uh, I think they're doing an outstanding job. If you ever get the opportunity, Luciano, to sit down and uh, at length with Amanda, I think you would I think you would be absolutely just fat. she has an incredible story. Mm-hmm. she has an incredible story and she's brilliant um and just the what she brings to the table um outside of cigars and that's i mean that's real in reality where her expertise lies um she's learning just as much as about this industry as as some of us, some of us else are but <laughs> what she brings in terms of business acumen creativity and empowering people yeah uh within her within her company it's just um it's just incredible and i i i, I really like everything that that company is doing and it's it's just something that's really exciting for yeah, the industry I, as you mentioned. I, me too. I think that we could mention several other companies you know and i i think uh the, the some some of them are really on track and they're doing a, an amazing job uh i'm privileged to have a relationship with several of these companies uh, because we either sell tobacco to them or we buy tobacco or we, uh, we have a relationship and in, in, in friendship in different levels. And what I see right now, uh, it's, it's true, like, uh, you know, willingness to, uh, to take the next step. And I, uh, you know, that's why I mentioned ATL, I mentioned McAuliffe. I think there's several other brands uh, Roma Craft, that's another example of, of good quality without never compromising their their uh, their values. And mm-hmm. we're talking about all different companies. We're talking about companies that, uh, and, and Roma Craft's a good example. Like Skip and I, we are friends. He's our client of tobacco. I know him for years. But uh, we are completely different. Like the products we completely. make. Completely. Very much. So the taste profile of our products are completely far apart. And that's what brings diversity. That's what brings, you know, the, the beauty to this market. And uh, one of the things that bothers me a lot sometimes, it's to see uh, companies, especially companies who don't own any, uh, uh, don't own their manufacturing, who like to always like, you know, uh, they are afraid of uh, telling people who makes their cigars because they think they will, uh, you know, shine more than, than they will. And I think that's so silly. Uh, today, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine who actually uh, does not, um, does n- did not release where the cigars were being made because he's a new brand. I said, listen, dude, that's one of the things that I learned about humanity. We grow when we elevate each other. Mm-hmm. When you try to kind of conceal that you know, information when you grow, this is going to bounce back so bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you don't you, you don't grow trying to canceling people. You you grow by elevating each other. You know, you if you're happy with the quality of your cigar, elevate your manufacturer. The manufacturer is happy with the relationship with uh, with the brand. 
elevate the brand. And that's how it works. It's, mm-hmm. it's very simple to me. This is, this is something that uh, unfortunately I see happening sometimes in our industry. And it's very, uh, it's very unfortunate. I, I think everybody should, should, be, should give credit to credit is deserved. Uh, and everybody should be humble to, uh, to be willing to learn and to share. And like what we talked today, man, you know, it's all about learning from each other. Absolutely. So I do want to get to another one of your releases here in just a second, because I think it's, it, it has a wonderful story. We talked about stories before. This one actually is a true story, and it's got a great, uh, it's got a great blend behind it, too. So we're going to talk about it in just a few moments. Uh, but I did want to get to uh, tonight's, uh, tonight's um, United Presidential Trivia segment. So this is a new segment, uh, Luciano. It's a little bit more fun. We used to do the one must go. That's been retired for uh, a little bit. But uh, this has been a fun uh, fun segment that we've been doing. It has around presidential trivia. Don't worry. I'm going to give you multiple choice. But I thought it would be an interesting uh, discussion because I thought this was really fascinating. Um I actually knew this, um, but I, it, it really came into perspective this week when we talked about PCA and we talked about um, manufacturing in particular in Nicaragua. So, to, um, so here is our presidential trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united. So today's presidential trivia question is this, okay? Who was the first U.S. president to visit the country of Nicaragua? So here are your choices. Is it A, Lyndon Johnson, B, Dwight Eisenhower, or C, Herbert Hoover? Dude. I have no clue. <laughs> I would guess, I would guess was Roosevelt, but I have no clue. All right. So it's, it is actually Herbert Hoover was the first okay. president to visit Nicaragua. But here, here, you actually mentioned Roosevelt. So here's something interesting, right? Theodore Roosevelt was the first U.S. president to ever travel outside the United States. <laughs> that explains a lot. Over a hundred years of country's history passed before a U.S. president set foot on foreign soil. At least officially. Officially, right? So, yeah. um, this, but so the, and, and the Herbert Hoover trivia is actually a little bit of a trick question, and I'll explain why here in a second. But her, so Teddy Roosevelt's venture was to Central America, it was to Panama. Mm. So in 1906 was the first um, was the first. So I mentioned Lyndon Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. So technically, Lyndon Johnson is actually the first sitting president to visit Nicaragua. Because Herbert Hoover went on a goodwill tour of Central America where he visited Nicaragua and other countries, mm-hmm. right? But Herbert Hoover had not been sworn in as president. He was the U.S. president-elect. He had won the election. So mm-hmm. he, by technicality, he was the president, but he hadn't been sworn in yet. And so he actually wasn't the president yet. So it was actually Lyndon Johnson. Interesting. Late 60s, 67, I believe. So yeah. almost 
<laughs> almost 200 years past before a U.S. president actually set foot on Nicaraguan soil, which is crazy. What, what was that? Was that when they're thinking about building a uh, new canal there? Yes, that's okay. exactly what it was. Yeah, foreign interest, of course. Um, but I could, I honestly couldn't, I honestly couldn't believe when I thought about it. Cause I knew the answer about Hoover. I didn't know the trick question part of it. I had to actually look that up, but, um, um, but it was interesting to me that almost 200 years of our history passed before we set foot on in Nicaraguan soil, which is interesting because, you know, while premium cigars are a blip on, you know, worldwide economic, you know, mm-hmm. penetration or whatever you want to call it. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of American business being done in Nicaragua, and it's 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 fascinating that that uh, a U.S. president hasn't. Uh, Barack Obama was the last one, uh, but he's there was only four only four U.S. presidents have actually been uh, on Nicaraguan mm-hmm. soil, which is which is just which is just crazy to me. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. If it's true. I heard that uh, that's only twenty uh, percent of the population that have a uh, U.S. passport. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that this this uh, Americans just don't travel much. I guess so sad because there's. Well, I think I don't think I mean. Again, I think it's it's just cultural, you know. Like again, it United States is such a vast country and such an influencer to the entire world that uh, it builds that mindset that you know I don't have to kind of. Kind of mindset, which is, of course, uh, you know, a wrong mindset. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you if you care about knowledge, if you wanna learn, uh, if you wanna experience different things in life, definitely travel. Traveling is, of course, I'm biased because I lived in so many different countries and different uh, cultures that I, I I wouldn't imagine myself without being able to uh, to travel and to experience different things. Yeah, but I think it is that perspective that kind of lends to that that advice too, though. I mean, it's you know, you yeah, okay, so you're biased because you had the ability to travel or have traveled around, but at the same time, it's opened you up to so many, you know, so many opportunities, including including the the ability to make cigars, right? So talking, I mean, talking about traveling, uh, my wife she's traveling a lot to Brazil now because her job requires to, and she brought me this cachaça. Cachaça is like a uh, barrel-aged uh, rum uh, that has this very interesting color because the color comes from the barrels, and it's delicious, and I'm uh, in love with this now. That's what they make the, the caipirinhas of, but this one is more like aged and uh, aged in barrels. It's, I don't know, 25 years looks like this one is. And I, I know we didn't talk about what we were drinking, but I'm about to sip into this amazing drink. Which I'm drinking a wine glass, by the way, because I was too lazy to get another one. <laughs> I'm in, I'm interested to try that at some point. It sounds it sounds delicious. It is. And so, um, so but that the I felt yeah I found that I found that really interesting that a lot of U.S. presidents had hadn't traveled until you know the 1900s, and even then the the travel to foreign soil has been just it was a lot it's far less than you would expect a u.s a u.s president i mean you've probably in your travels luciana i mean you've probably traveled more than u.s presidents by quite a large margin 
<laughs> um, I mean, probably an obscene margin is probably a, be- a better description of it. Do you have any idea how many countries you've been to? I mean, you've probably lost track, right? Unless you actually consciously have kept track of this thing. I lost track. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, you know, like in Europe, almost uh, almost everything, or probably everything. Eastern Europe, a little bit, uh, you know. Uh, Africa, about maybe four or five countries. Asia, seven, eight countries. Entire South America, entire North America. I, I don't know. I lost count. I have no idea. It's crazy. That's awesome. Jealous. Definitely jealous. Yeah. I, I have this thing too. Coop says this all the time that everywhere he travels, he always wants to move there. I feel the same way. <laughs> like everywhere, I, every time I go someplace, like yeah. I just want, like, I want to be there. Like I haven't been to Nick. So plain and simple, right? I haven't been to Nicaragua yet. I, I will uh, be. Yeah, we got to fix that. I know we are going to fix that. That is going to happen. I will be coming yeah. to Nicaragua at some point. So, uh, and I imagine that I'll probably, uh, feel like uh, uh skip and, and james brown do that i'll just i'll just want a house down there <laughs> i'll just want to move yeah. okay. uh, well, a lot point. of people go for uh for the first time and just fall in love and stay there a very awesome. very good friend of mine from illinois it, it's a crazy story so they we usually have a group of of masons uh you know like people i never said that publicly but i'm a freemason like a third generation and uh there was always this group of Masons from, from our, our, our community there lodge that uh, used to travel every year to visit our farms and visit our, uh, our factory. And one of these guys, his name, his name is Kirk. Uh, he was, uh, he came and, and for the first time and he said, I, I want to live here. I will live here one day. So next year he moves. Uh, oh no, it took him actually two years. And then he moved to Nicaragua. In three months, he got married. Now his wife is pregnant. He has a dog, and he's not coming back anymore. Question <laughs> <laughs> his name. A very good friend of mine. That's crazy, unbelievable. That's so that's so cool. Um, I I love I love James Brown's story. Uh, him and Angela literally went all over the world and uh, eventually settled in Nicaragua. And and uh, <laughs> there there's is a fascinating story i absolutely love it it's it's really cool like that um it's, it's stories like yours and theirs and others you know in this and you mentioned your friend there too like those that's that's kind of the story that like i wish was part of my life but you know everyone has a different life and there's life stories to, is is exactly what it was meant to be and so uh it's kind of just cool to hear about those too though but that you know people get to live their dreams in a lot of different ways and it's really exciting so um so here's here's hoping that more future U.S. presidents travel more than the previous ones, and uh, visit beautiful countries like Nicaragua. So that was our our, our presidential uh, trivia segment, sponsored by United Cigars, uh, featuring Lajian Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabe and Byron lines. So smoke one today, and start living united. Um, before we went into that fun segment, Luciano, we were talking about uh, your dedication to pe- to people and to the people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I had mentioned how, you know, it, it's not just the same old song and dance. Like every time you, every time you speak, you, you talk about the importance of people and, and you as an individual, as well as your companies have kind of made these steps to continue blossoming those personal relationships and, and different things. And one of the things that you uh, sought out to do, it, it was because of how you were moved by some of the people that, uh, that worked on, that worked in tobacco farms, 
you know, and that was, of course, the Ace Prime Foundation led to the founding of the Ace Prime Foundation, everything. And I asked you this past week how that how that was going. And so I thought you could give us an update and uh, and let us know where we can continue to support this incredible foundation that you uh, that you started that helped the people of Nicaragua. Yeah, we've been working very kind of silently. Uh, I think that uh, sometimes that's the best way. Um, we're still helping uh, 37 families there. Um, and all the families that we, we help are not families that work for us. You know, it's families that are uh, going through uh, some hardships. Uh, and we focus on kids that have uh, disabilities and their mom cannot work and they don't have enough income to, uh, to survive. The level of, uh, of people that live under the line of poverty in Jalapa is just uh, heartbreaking. And unfortunately, until some things change in the way uh, business are done there, uh, I don't see much hope into a permanent change, but we, we do what we can, you know, that's, we do what we can. And, uh, and we decided to doing our own, uh, you know, we had some people helping and some partners before, uh, but we take full responsibility and, uh, and you know, Ace Prime is, is doing their best to, uh, to support uh, these families that need uh, so much help. Uh, but that, you know, we, we'll eventually throughout the year, we'll, we'll out some, some campaigns of things that are needed. We want, of course, people to get involved, but I changed my approach a little bit. I want people to come and see with their own eyes uh, I am incentivizing a lot of even the, the cigar media guys to come over, come over and see with your own eyes. And, and maybe that will make the difference. I think, uh, you know, we can pitch all along here. Um, I find very unlikely for people to really get committed to something that they don't see, they don't touch, they don't feel. I think uh, we, in the cigar bubble that we live we create certain layers to protect ourselves where we don't want to know about it. Cause if we know now you have to have full responsibility. Uh, and I think that people should come, you know, when they come to the, now this year, they'll have the Nicaraguan uh, uh, Puro uh, Sabor, uh, the Nicaraguan festival. And which I think is a great opportunity for people to come and see, you know, not just the, the controlled uh, tourism but actually see everything you know just just go you, you, uh, another myth that that uh, that's out there too is that Nicaragua is not safe um, I think Nicaragua is as safe as any uh, you know neighborhood in Los Angeles or in in Chicago or in Florida uh, you have of course you know good neighborhoods bad neighborhoods you have to be careful in anywhere you go but there's nothing different there that I especially in the rural areas. I mean, um, everybody who lives in Stili knows what I'm talking about. You, 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 we just walk freely in the streets. There's no, there's no robbery there. People cannot have guns. Uh, everything else is, is it's, it's bullshit because sometimes people want to make sure that you don't go anywhere, you don't visit other factories, you don't see what's going on, and they say it's unsafe, so stay here with the compound, don't leave. But, uh, but actually, I find Nicaragua... Uh, it is a country that, that has a lot of problems, there's no doubt. Uh, but like any other country, uh, you know, there, there are things that we that needs to be improved. But I think it's a beautiful country to visit. I think it's, uh, it's safe for you to walk around. And I think there's a lot of things you can see and you can help, you know, if you come and see with your own eyes.
I look I look forward to that trip, and I look forward to um, to uh, you know visiting the country that has has given me so much. You know, yeah. I you know I sit here, um, yes, in in a lot of heat, <laughs> but I sit here in the comfort of you know my country. And I enjoy the products that you make and the people that uh, that you hire make in a beautiful country, um, and that's you know that's something that's really um, I think it's really important um, that I go and visit because I really want to, like you said, see with my own eyes and uh, and 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 give thanks, you know in the yeah. right way so i look forward to those campaigns and uh please let me know luciano because i'd love to i know it's not your style but i would i would love to promote them and and gain, sure, gain uh, attention for them and, and uh, also donate to a very mm -hmm. special cause so thank you um so wanted to but i the next thing i wanted to talk about we've been putting this off tonight uh because i think it's a very i think it's a beautiful story um and it's one um that I think speaks volumes in, in, in terms of the cigar itself. Um, but I think it's, it's an important project. Um, I know you feel the same way, but it was an important project to you. And then that's the PCA exclusive cigar that you all launched this year, which was the Maria Lucia, um, which I had the opportunity to smoke a couple of, uh, and the cigar uh, is sensational. And I'm really looking forward to it, its release so that more people could enjoy it as much as I did. Cause it's, um, Luciana, it's a fantastic cigar. Um, absolutely fantastic. I appreciate um, it. Uh, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it, but I want, I wanted you to share the story behind the cigar that honors your late mother. Man, it's, I'm, you, you heard the story before, so I'm going to say something, uh, that maybe a little different or from a different angle, different perspective of what that cigar means to me. Um, it's not a secret that, you know, especially after the press release and after the trade show, everybody knows that my mind passed when I was only 12 years old. The part of the story that they don't know is that my, my mom had a very complicated life. So she had, uh, she was the daughter of a man who had multiple families everywhere, like a crazy Portuguese dude that will just come in and, and basically get every woman pregnant that he could. Uh, when, uh, when she was only, I think, seven years old or five years old, uh, the story is that he basically kidnapped her from my grandmother and took to the, the, uh, another woman that he was, uh, having a, that he had a family with. And she was raised by her, uh, that stepmother. Uh, and, but actually her mother was searching for her her entire life. And unfortunately, she only found about her after she passed, uh, you know, 20 something years later. Because my mom passed when she was, uh, I was 12, she was 33 when, uh, when, she, when she passed. So, um, and, and it's a very complicated life story because she was basically abandoned when she was 12. She lived in the streets. But the beauty of, of my, my, my mom is that she uh, she survived and she was so intelligent and so smart that she learned uh, complicated things like different languages or she learned how to, uh, you know, 
work in different fields of science, she basically learned everything on her own. She was, uh, she didn't have a chance to go to, you know, good schools or anything like that. And she made herself, she actually, uh, when she was younger, uh, so did my father. But by the way, when I was born, my mom, uh, when my mom got pregnant, she was uh, 18. My father was 16 years old. So I was basically raised by my grandparents. Uh, and I, I spent time with my, my, my mom. She would come and pick me up at school, bring it home, but it was more like a distant aunt that would come and visit me. So I didn't have like a lot of time with my mom. Uh, but I knew, uh, and because of the synesthesia, which, you know, it's a condition, medical condition that I have, I remember like with, uh, with clarity, the texture of her voice, uh, her mannerisms, uh, uh, her touch. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, the color of her hair and her skin. And so I have all of this kind of memories. And I always wanted to somehow understand her more and learn more about her. But the, the truth of the fact is, I didn't even have a lot of pictures of my mom. And we didn't have, uh, I didn't have much information, uh, just my interaction with her, uh, which was very little. Uh, so one day, my uh, my young my oldest my eldest daughter uh, Deborah she was only fourteen years old so we're talking about now she's twenty four we're talking about ten years ago she had this dream and she dreamed of a woman and she did that drawing which is the 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 uh, cigar ring of Maria Lucia which is I don't know if you can see here uh, also adorn, it's also heart. adorned on the box yeah. Yeah, it's also in a box. And she uh, she had that dream and she made that drawing. She was only 14, very, very talented artist. Uh, and she was going through a very kind of tough time. I think I shared with you a little bit of her, the traumas that we went through um, with her. But uh, she wake up, you know, very early in the morning, wake me and my wife and says, I dream of this woman. She needed help. We could not help her. And that's this is how she looks like. I don't know why, but I... Then she started like drawing all the sleeves, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, around her head. And so it was a beautiful drawing, but nothing connected to me. You know, I just thought it was a woman she had a dream of and, and you know, it is what it is. And, and who knows what that is. Um, now, fast forward. This is uh, four years later, four or five, I, I can't precise. But um, it was four because it was the day that she turned 18. The day that Deborah turned 18, my eldest daughter, uh, a few days before, we received a box from a, a distant uncle who said it, who sent us like uh, pictures, letters, things that even uh, that my mom wrote to me for me to read, you know, uh, uh, when I was just a baby. And so I get all this box and I have a feeling that something special is inside. So I gather all the family. We are in the living room my wife, my three kids. And I said, this box comes from an uncle. Apparently there's a lot of things about your grandma that we're going to find out tonight. And uh, so let's, uh, let's open it. So we opened the box and the first photo uh, that was in the top of the box was my mom's picture. It was my mom's photo. And uh, immediately Deborah looks at it and said, this is the, the woman I dreamed of. And then was that commotion, like everybody was like, what? 
and uh, and I, I have goosebumps just remembering the, the the scene. And then Rebecca, my middle daughter, started crying, and everybody started crying, and it was that commotion. And uh, and then we went through the letters. We read letters. We I found a bunch of stuff about her that I had no idea before, and it was very emotional time, very emotional moment. And then um, when we compare, then we found the drawing from Deborah. When we compare. It was like mind blowing. Like oh, this is this is truly the woman she dreamed of, and then that stayed in the back of my head. And I said, one day, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but maybe I'll make a cigar and I'll make a uh, something to honor her and and to honor her life and and try to kind of translate her personality from what I read in the letters, from what I experienced because of my synesthesia, and uh, what stories that were told to me after about her personality. I truly tried to build a cigar that would translate that personality. Uh, it was the true inspiration to create the cigar. When 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 I was blending the cigar, I went through like, oh, I can I can feel this here. I can feel I can feel that personality. I I can feel that there is uh, some uh, muted sharpness here. Like she's adept. She was very adaptable. Like she would talk to uh, she could talk to the president. Or she could talk to, uh, 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 you know, a uh, uh, janitor uh, and she would empathize with everybody. So she had that ability to penetrate every single segment of society and talk to people in a way. And she would actually uh, deliver very strong messages. Like she would be very kind of tough, but she delivered the message with so much kindness that she usually would get whatever she wanted just because of that uh, the ability. So the idea of the cigar is that it is a cigar for almost every palate. Like even if you don't like Connecticut Broadleaf, you're not going to feel overwhelmed by. And it's a cigar that people that are uh, beginners will enjoy very much. I know everybody likes to say this because you get a broadened market, but this is real. I'm speaking from the bottom of my heart. This is not a sales pitch. And I, I don't, I know, I don't want to sound harsh, but I don't care if you buy the cigar or not. That cigar for me, uh, it's just an expression of uh, of my my feeling towards my mom, and I believe that uh, I did with all my heart. Uh, I'm not. I can say that that's a cigar. Uh, that's the best cigar out there. I can say that's probably one of the best cigars that I've ever smoked myself. And because it's one of the best cigars I smoked myself, I decided to put her name on, and I decided to. Uh, make it a, a, that special edition. And now we are uh, thinking of making a regular line because I want that name to kind of perpetuate and survive throughout the years. So I, I want to make sure uh, that continues. So that's the story. Uh, it, it's a beautiful tribute. And that's, I mean, it's, I mean, like you said, you, you, you told a little bit, told a couple of other different details this time this is my second time hearing it and um i mean it's 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 a wonderful tribute to your mother and um what an incredible woman she must have been um she was and it's it's only the the it's only sad that we don't get to know her personally but in a way we get to hear her story through through you and through, like you said, through the cigar and everything. And um, I, I, I absolutely love the cigar. Um, 
I thought it it was uh, Luciano. I'll just tell you, I know you said you don't care if anyone buys it. Um, I will because uh, it was my favorite cigar of the. It was my favorite cigar of the trade show, hands down. Um, Appreciate it, bro. Um, and and I mean, I didn't smoke all the cigars that were available. I didn't smoke a lot of them, but uh, for the ones that I smoked, it was it was the very best. And if I, people if people are curious about their, her photo, I have here my phone. I just found here. Let me see if I can. Give a little hint oh. what that is. So it's now, now it's registered. You see the details of the chin, the eyelashes, the eyebrow. Mm-hmm. People later can pause and, and the and nose too. The, the nose. nose. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, man, I I love that cigar. I'm I'm smoking uh uh a lot of that cigar because it is right now my favorite smoke. I hope people like it. Hope people enjoy. And, uh, and of course, you know, if we, when I say, you know, I don't care if people buy or not, it's because the cigar is there and, and it has the meaning that uh, it's supposed to have. And if, uh, you know, if the cigar uh, is a success and perpetuate, awesome. And uh, that will be a, we, then we achieved something very important. So thankful. Thank you for, uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor. It's, uh, it's healing. It's, uh, you know, uh, every, every opportunity I have to share. Um, again, we're talking about the true stories, real stories, right? So if people can share the, the real stories, uh, it's, always, uh, it's always good for everybody. It's always enlightening for everybody. Indeed. Um, wanted to get into the makeup of the cigar because this is also kind of goes back to our original uh, top of our conversation, which was the tobacco and the blending that went into it. And uh, I thought this was interesting because we we had the opportunity to meet with you the last night of the trade show. You were kind enough to come over and spend some time with us and you brought us gifts. Uh, You brought us tobacco uh, and not in the yeah, you brought cigars too, yes, but you also brought us the opportunity to smoke the Maria Lucia um, Deconstructed, um, which was an amazing experience, uh, not just because of the story behind it, but how we talked about the blend specifically. And like you said, this is this is Connecticut Broadleaf. Um, and, um, and as you said before, Connecticut Broadleaf has that unabashed reputation because it covers all sins but the Mm -hmm. the the tobacco that you chose was very deliberate and i thought Mm -hmm. the the makeup of it was really 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 interesting it's a double binder uh ecuadorian sumatran and um hbn and then the filler now here's the kicker nicaraguan yes dominican but peruvian And, and it has a Peruvian that I never used before. Um, so when we bought the, the Peruvian that we use in, in different blends like Mildias, we always use the lowest primes because it's such a high acidity. So always using like more of the Seco and, and the Viso on the, on the bigger Bitolas. Uh, and we've been accumulating that Lijero. This is the first time that we use uh, the Peruvian Lijero as part of the blend. And, uh, and also... I'm using this very kind of special Dominican tobacco that I was introduced by uh, Ernesto Carrillo a couple of years ago, which is a hybrid of Piloto Cubano and Corojo 98. 
but it's grown in a very specific region in uh, Dominican called La Canela. Uh, and I love the tobaccos from La Canela because of, I, I, I call it the La Canela, like the Esteli of, of Dominica, because it's tobacco that delivers not just a lot of flavor, but a lot of strength, which is very uncommon into Dominican tobaccos. So it's sharp, uh, the, the Peruvian tobacco is sharp. And that's a very good example of how I, I use the double binder because I needed to kind of mute a little bit of that broadleaf that's so prominent and bring more acidity with the fillers. And um, this is the result. And the Nicaraguan tobacco that you used in the filler, um, that's also very special as well too. It, it is. It goes back to, goes back to the, the point we talked about muting flavors and everything as well. Yeah. So this, the tobacco we use is, is a, is a, it's a, it's, it's actually two, but it's a, it's a bale, it's a bale of mixed tobaccos of Jalapa and Pueblo Nuevo that we had when we start the factory. So the, 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 the first crop of our Pueblo was so good, so good that Pichardo and I decided to uh, keep two bales of that tobacco uh, just to, Two is in a special project one day, and it's been years. It's always there. Sometimes you do blends with it. Say, no, let's let's use it for another thing, or let's use it for another thing. And then what was nice is that actually it was a Pichardo's uh, uh, initial idea to use this tobacco. He came to me and said, "I know you're doing something special for him. Why don't you check that tobacco? Remember?" And uh, and I said, "Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 see how it goes." And and uh, and so we used one leaf of that tobacco in the blend, and man. It does make a difference in the, the entire cigar. Um, it's one of the most complexes that, that we uh, we probably uh, ever made. I uh, my favorite my favorite portion of the evening was when we were we were smoking uh, uh, Peruvian fumas and uh -huh. uh, and uh, Coop sitting over there in the corner. He takes a takes a he he smokes some of it and he talks about how he's not a fan of Peruvian tobacco. And, and I, and I was like, Hey Coop, what, what cigar are you smoking over there? And he's like, the Maria Lucia. I was like, you, you, you enjoying that? And he's like, yeah, I am. And I was like, good. Cause that has Peruvian tobacco in it. <laughs> yeah. Again, so, it's, uh, it, it brings back that conversation I had before, man. I mean, this, this, you can't say that in my opinion and with all respect to the Coop and everybody else. I of think course, no, I, we all have our biases. Yeah, we all have our biases. And, and also, like, the same thing as, like, I don't know, uh, maybe you had a bad experience of a blend you had before that contained that tobacco. Again, you got to give it a chance because it's all about the blend. You know, it's, it's about the proportions, how much you use, how you use it, uh, the intention of using it. And, and uh, again, you, you and I talked about the, the cer certain assertions about uh, Ometepe tobacco. For me, it's one of the most beautiful, complex, rich, uh, versatile tobaccos that exist on earth. It's from Ometepe. And, and, uh, and Placencia is the very good proof of how you can build, you know, tremendous blends using Ometepe because they're using almost everything. And again, I, I, I love Peruvian, I love Ometepe. And I'm in love with this uh, Dominican uh, from La Canela, which we, we bought a bunch and we were buying more because that's how much I love it. That's great. Well, it's a, it's a terrific, terrific blend. And um, I'm so excited for, for the people to try it. Um, and, and hopefully they like it as much as I did. And a lot of others, a lot of people were just in love with that 
that cigar. Mm-hmm. So really, really fantastic. Um, so um, wanted to, there are a couple other moments I wanted to, to talk about. You, you, we kind of touched on this a little bit with ATL and everything, but you have the opportunity, as you kind of mentioned, you have the strategic alliance with Crowned Heads and now with the Oz Jenner Family Cigar Company, where you, a lot of the products that you that you make and manufacture and some blends that you have a hand in, obviously, uh, a tremendous hand in making as well. When, when you, and I think you kind of answered this earlier, but I, I you know, I, I, I just kind of was curious is like, when you see other people showcasing the product that you, you that, that you've manufactured and everything like that has to bring about like this very unique, immense pride and uh, what you and your people have done um, because this isn't just cigars that you personally believe in. And this isn't just great cigars that your people have made but it's recognized by your peers and, 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 and partners enough to, Hey, we're, we're going to release this cigar. So, I, I mean, I'm just curious. I wanted to get your thoughts on that too. Uh, yeah, there is a level of, uh, of a sense of accomplishment when you, when you, when you blend something that people like it and they want to put their name on it and they want to market as their cigar uh, I do find pleasure in that. I, I, if you if you look at my life uh, history, I've always been working behind the scenes in almost everything I did. Uh, there was a time, uh, even recent, I have the same feeling, where I felt some regret of putting my name in a cigar or even a launch your own brands. Not, not regret. I just felt like, you know, when I had these thoughts, like you know, man, I was I was so happy before. <laughs> um, so pride is something that doesn't stick to me. Um, well, a lot of people say this, but truly, I get, I, I get a lot of accomplishment just by working behind the scenes. I just feel like in this time of my life, it's almost like my family is pushing me towards like uh, uh, doing things more with my name and taking the credit for it. And like I'm being pushed by friends, pushed by or marketing director, or push, pushed by my own daughters. And it's good and bad because I, I have this feeling, and I know I'm coming from a different angle to your question, but that you understand why I'm saying this. Sure. Um, when, I, when I look into a product that I blended, and it's, it's in a display, and there is recognition of that product, I feel happy about it. Of course I do. Um, and goes back to what we were talking before. I think it's too bad when some uh, some uh, brands don't give the proper credit. I can't complain that about crown heads. I think uh, John Huber said many times, and he used this analogy about how uh, I create the song. He puts the rhythm. So he creates the packaging, he creates the, the, the concept of the brand. And I appreciate the fact that he, uh, he, he honors that. And I think, uh, you know, the Osner family cigars is something that I'm very proud of, of making. You know, I'm, I'm actually uh, flattered that team uh, chose uh, me and chose our factory uh, to make that cigar, you know, and, and I'm very honored by. So I think it's more like a, I wouldn't say pride. It's more a sense of accomplishment. It's like, man, you know, we did it. We did it. We delivered. It's there. Awesome. 
you know, I wish great success. Because again, we have different identities too within within this alliance. I mean, the Osner family cigars and crown heads is one thing. They have their company, they have their their brands. And Ace Prime is, is, a, is another thing. We have different, even different, uh, I think we have a different DNA, you know. First of all, we are tobacco growers and cigar makers. And I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to stand out. I'm saying there is a different way, a different, we come, we come from a completely different uh, uh, background, you know. Now, uh, Tim has this amazing background of being a marketer and, and he developed his dad this was this amazing legend uh, who, who from a pipe company developed all the cigars and these brands and Tim was this genius of marketing behind everything and he chose the right partners. He, he chose the brand, the blends, the brands. So, you know, so we just come from different backgrounds, different, different uh, uh, you know, different places. And, and, and being able to encounter, being able to work together is always rewarding. It's rewarding for us. I hope it's for them. I, I think it is. I think they're happy with the products that we put out. Um, and I wish them great success. You know, I just I hope they uh, sell a bunch of cigars and we are still willing to, to make them. And, uh, and we're very happy with, the, you know, having them as clients and uh, having Crown has distributing our products. So it's all good. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to just mention really quickly, um, this was a really beautiful trade show uh, for your family in a number of reasons. We talked about the honoring of your late mother, of course, but uh, also your daughter uh, is joining the company uh, or has yeah. joined the company. And so yes. uh, proud, proud father moment. I wanted to do that, uh, to share your, share your thoughts on that. Cause I know that, uh, I know that's an exciting, it was an exciting moment for you. It was. Uh, here's the thing, man. Uh, Rebecca, many people don't know this, but she's definitely the highest IQ of the house. Um, when I say the highest IQ is that the girl uh, has, uh, I think when she was a kid, we tested because she was trying to, you know, define her vo uh, vocation, what she was going to do. And I think she tested like 158, like crazy numbers of IQ. She speaks four different languages. He, she, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, she, she went to the best political science school in the world called uh, Sciences Po in France. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's just a smart, brilliant girl. Uh, and uh, one day, I, I always like to take the girls with me into some, some road trips or, or sometimes going to cigar events. And Rebecca had recently turned uh, 21. She was finishing college and uh, she got approached by, well, actually we were in this roadshow in Indiana at the burn. Uh, one of the days, you know, the roadshow was at the burn of Rocky Patel. And I was there giving an interview and I see like sh she was talking to Rocky for, I don't know, two, three hours. And I said, what is Rocky talking to Rebecca? You know, like nonstop and uh, whatever it is, looks like, you know, they're, uh, they're engaging to some sort of debate or conversation. Uh, so minutes after, after uh, Rocky comes to me and says, hey, Luciano, I want to, I don't know how to say this, but I think your daughter, uh, she's, uh, she's very, very intelligent. She's very, very brilliant. And I want her to work for me if it's okay with you. And I said, dude, she needs to finish college first and then she'll make a decision whatever she wants to work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the, 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 the funny story is she was offered a position by Rocky 
And then uh, a year later, um, she comes back from France and she comes to, uh, to LA. She comes to me and said, Dad, you know, I think I want to work with you. I think I see a lot of things that you should change here and here and here and here. And she'll come and bring some solutions and she'll come and bring some ideas. And I said, well, you know, maybe if, if, uh, uh, if you really want to do this, uh, let's move forward in the idea. And then uh, she was always kind of a little bit behind the scenes. Like, again, she's brilliant. Like she, uh, that girl wrote a, a, a master degree thesis when she was only 16 years old. That's how, how brilliant she is. Oh, wow. And, and, she, uh, and she basically, she's behind a lot of things that we do with Ace Prime. Uh, you know, I'll give an example, like press releases. Do you know who writes those press releases? I'm guessing she does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and even like strategies and how to, uh, how to deal with, with, with certain things. I mean, she's, she's a brilliant girl and we are very excited that she's on board. I hope she stays, you know, but we never know. Maybe Rocky tried to steal from me again. Um, but she, <laughs> she does an amazing, uh, doing an amazing job. We're going to put a press release very soon, which you will receive about Rebecca. And what is funny is I asked, because um, uh, Rebecca knows really well uh, Rocky and also Christian Eroa. Uh, he's a good family friend. He came over our house a couple of times. And there's always a political debate between Rebecca, Christian, and, and Tom Lazuka. They always talk for hours about politics. And I, when we put, when we we're drafting the press release, I, I, I told Beck, is that okay if I ask them for a quote? Because they know you. So Rocky put a very nice quote about Rebecca as well as Christian. So they, they all kind of oh, come really in their press release as well. That's good. That's great. That's fantastic. I, um, I think the mark of, of any true leader is, is, is the ability to recognize talent and leadership uh, wherever it comes. And um, you know, to, to, I, I, it was this quote from a, a TV show of all places that I, I've kind of taken th- with me throughout my life. And, uh, it, it's a scene in a TV show where a, a gentleman is talking to another guy who disagrees with them. And he says, Hey, I've, I've, I've been around for a long time and I've seen a lot of things and I'm an old man now, but I've come around to this, that if you're smart or that if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Absolutely. And, um, and I'm still trying to figure out if I'm smart or if I'm dumb, but I try to surround myself with as much different perspective as possible so that it allows me to be more well-rounded. I can uh, tell you that you are very, very smart. Well, thank you. And you're not just smart. You have, a, you have this amazing heart. Um, I'm actually privileged to have you as a friend. Uh, and then you said that multiple times and it's true, it's real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it, it comes from a very uh, deep and important place in my heart. So I, I value this friendship and you were talented. So I'm not here blowing smoke on you. I just, I'm just stating the truth, you know, as you know, I like to do so. Um, but yeah, man, you. you know, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, we should always surround ourselves with people that disagree with us so we can learn and you can see things that we don't, we don't know. I think uh, it's one of the messages of Fiat Lux. Not that I'm tying, you know, any, 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 <laughs> any uh, uh, 
product again, but the, the whole idea uh, behind uh, the Philux concept is knowledge. So mm-hmm. when knowledge is more important, well, knowledge should always be uh, what we should pursue in life. Uh, and there's a reason why God created us uh, with wired the way we are, with the capacities to learn and to develop and to dream. Uh, we are the only species on earth that's capable of dreaming something that don't exist. And just by imagining, uh, it, it can turn into reality just because of an idea, a, a insight. Uh, so I think when we, when we put knowledge in front of our uh, desire to be right, uh, it's a game changer. So there are people that are more concerned about being right than actually uh, learning something. Mm-hmm. And if, if everybody would pursue knowledge more than just winning a debate or winning a conversation, the world would be different. I think I was, I was reading this book. Actually, it was actually a TED Talk. Uh, what is, I forgot the woman's name, but she was talking about the difference between the scout mindset and, uh, and the uh, soldier mi- mindset. The soldier mindset, the soldier will just fight because of fight. It, sometimes he doesn't even know what he's fight, fighting for. Sometimes he, he doesn't even believe in what he's fighting for, but his mission is to fight. Correct. Sometimes all we want is to fight. All we want is to win the debate. It be, it, it's be, it, all we want is to be the one who is right or who, mm-hmm. who owns the truth or who, uh, you know, wants to just kind of overcome everybody and, and be the winner of the conversation, of the debate. Um, and there are people who have the scout mindset. For them, it's more important to know what's beyond that bridge or where the person is coming from. Uh, yeah. Why she thinks the way she thinks, or he thinks the way he thinks, uh, and and usually people who pursue knowledge are way happier than people who just want to be right. Uh, my grandpa used to do an example. I have this this uh, battery pack here, and that will be be very easy for you to understand this example. If I just kind of on this camera, just kind of show you this, and I ask you, what is this bear? And you say, this is a looks like a, a battery pack to recharge phones and computers, and it's just a battery, right? Mm-hmm. And and then I'll argue with you that this is not a battery pack. This is actually a pen that I can write with. But because you are seeing just from one perspective, you will say that I'm crazy, that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I'm dumb, that I'm stupid. And then we're going to get into an argument. And then maybe at the end, we might even uh, broke up our friendship over a discussion of a, of a fucking battery pack. But if you were face to face and you would stand out of your chair and go around and see what I'm seeing from the angle of my eyes, you see that there is a pen behind you that you just cannot see if you don't stand up, come around and see from my perspective. And then if for you, it's more important to be right, then we're going to get into an argument. But if you are the smartest person in the room, you're going to stand up and see what the fuck he's seeing that I'm not seeing. <laughs> right? So I want to I wanna know where he's coming from. Why he's right. saying this is a pen? It's clearly a battery pack. But guess what? You didn't take the chance. You didn't stand up and come to see from my perspective. 
Now, people people that have that mindset to kind of stand up, go around, and put some effort into understanding where other people are coming from, uh, they usually are the smartest ones. You know, I mean, winning a debate and being right should never be the most important thing. But the truth, knowledge, it's the most important thing. Too philosophical tonight, huh? Yeah, no, no, I... I... No, I appreciate this because this is something that I've I've long said um, uh, on my uh, on my show, and then just in general in my life is just I I love a good discussion. I love a good debate. Um, and I and and Lucia, I could tell you that there was a time in my life, uh, and not so distant of a past that I can't remember it, but uh, there was a time in my life that it I, I, it was it wasn't just about being right, but it was the fact that I knew I was right. And I, I, I honestly wish I could, I wish I could deliver to you a finite point that that stopped mattering. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. Um, and I wish I could, but for me, I still love discussion and debate as much as, as much as, as much as I used to. Um, but I think it, 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 but I, the sad part about our society that we live into is that it is lost. And I think it, it was somewhere in that realization that, you know what, I mean, like you said, people, people's friendships were broken up over this, you know, like people's yeah. lives were being upended because, you know, you and I disagreed on one single point. And that's that politics, you know, but I think is the most yeah. divisive conversation. And I don't think you should avoid the conversation of politics. Absolutely Just using the same example, like you, let's say this is uh, your political view. Right. If you come to me and say, Luciano, would you do me a favor? You're my friend, man. Just just turn this. I want to see it better. I want to see it from a different angle. Just just turn it to me. Can yeah. you please do so I can see how you see it? Oh, now I understand. Yeah. Oh, there's a pen behind, which still there's a battery pack there, which is hitting the pen, but your eyes is just to the pen. Mm-hmm. But there's a common ground. We both agree that the pen exists. So does the battery. So right. it's it's all about be willing to learn from each other, be willing to listen. So I think there are great people in the, in, the, in the right side of the aisle and there's great people on the left side of the aisle. Uh, but they see things from different perspectives, from different lenses. Uh, and so you can, you can come with absolutisms and say, you know, he's wrong, she, she's wrong. But we've got to be willing to kind of walk across. I think right. the main issue today is that people are not willing to stand up and look from a different angle or to kind of go across uh, the other side. Uh, someone just got skip. Uh, skip Patrick just 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 made a comment here, which is true. Like it's a base of debate. He said, "Contempt prior to investigation." So you have Correct. to disagree to investigate, which is yeah. just true. It's a it's a good a it's a good assertive. The pro the pro assertive, but the problem is everybody is willing to contempt. Everybody is willing to mm-hmm. challenge each other, but not everybody is willing to look with each other's eyes and perspectives. It's very easy to actually disagree these days. And also because we live in this, in this uh, fucked up world where uh, I think it's is extremely hedonist. So we just don't want to. Uh, you know, I just say, whatever, you have your truth, I have mine, and that's it. So instead mm-hmm. of searching for common grounds and searching for uh, commonalities and searching for uh, points of encounter where debates can occur in a healthy way, uh, People are just kind of uh, almost searching for something to antagonize. 
and uh, and I think it's something uh, of humanity that uh, it is what it is. That's why war has never ended, and uh, and it's part of humanity. But again, going back to what differentiates for me smart people from from dumb people is that willingness. You know, I think uh, if people would be willing to uh, see with uh, you know each other's perspective and learn about why and what that person is coming from and why that he thinks that way. That should be the pursuit of, of knowledge. You know, I want to learn why you think the way you think. I, I agree completely. And I think it's, I think it's something that we haven't mentioned yet is it's, it's fear. Absolutely. 100%. You can believe something. And this is something that I've come around to is that I, there are, there are beliefs that I hold dear to my heart and I have chosen to learn about other people's perspective and that hasn't swayed me. It hasn't changed my mind, but I think there's a lot of people that are afraid that their mind will change. What will that say about them? You know, like, like they're almost casting a judgment upon themselves. Like, what will that say about me if I change my mind on this? Um, and it, it, it's a fear for a number of reasons, you know, I mean, um, and pride is a pride is certainly a huge part of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, for one, would rather if if I'm so steadfast in my belief on something, mm-hmm. I, for one, would want that validated through understanding other people's perspective mm-hmm. to to back to that you know full circle of that knowing that I'm right, right? So <laughs> if I can come out of that discussion and I can learn something and I can still feel the same way, then I feel that my belief is even is even stronger than it was prior to it. And I think exactly, that's uh, you know, test your own beliefs. Uh, that, that, that's something that you said um, that really uh, I, I, I agree 100%. So here's, here's the thing. You, uh, your, your willingness to see with other people's eyes is not just about, uh, it's, it's not just about at the end uh, knowing the truth as much as is to find pleasure into knowing the truth. Uh, I see that people find a lot of pleasure to say, I won. I was right. He was wrong. Mm-hmm. I hold the truth. And that brings pleasure. You know, uh, it's part of a human nature. So we want to conquer. We want to win. But there's a type of pleasure that people don't pay much attention to, which I, uh, and I, and I, I say this in a very humble way. I think I don't even deserve merit because I think my brain was wired that way. Know what I'm saying? So I was wired to find more pleasure in knowledge than in being right. So my, my point is, if I'm talking to you about something we completely disagree on, I was kind of, man, I'm going to bug you. I'm going to bother you so much because I want to know why you think that way. And then when you prove me that I am wrong, I find extreme pleasure in being proven wrong. Does that make sense? So for me, being... Uh, I, I actually love when I lose a debate. Each, when I lose a debate means I've learned something. Absolutely. Yeah. When, I, uh, when, when, I, when I'm proven wrong, it means, man, I never, ever thought about that. And that's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. Now, now I know. Now I've learned. Now, you know, uh, it, it, that applies to, uh, to tobacco. That applies to our daily lives in, in every possible sense, even in politics. Like, you know, I was so many proven, I was so many times proven wrong 
Uh, and every time that that happens, I feel extreme pleasure uh, when uh, when I uh, when that happens. I, I don't get bothered by, you know. So a lot of people come to me sometimes and say, "Hey, hey, don't get offended." But I think, man, I'm not gonna get offended. Just just go and say, <laughs> "I want to learn." I want to learn. Just yeah. tell me what what is wrong. So just just prove to me, and I will change my mind. I'm willing to change my mind. So the mindset is. I'm going to walk into a debate, open to change my mind. That's all I want. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not perfect, man. I I made a lot of mistakes. I'm stubborn sometimes, you know, especially because. And you can ask my daughters, but sometimes we get into a conversation when I say things like, and they hate when I do that. I said, "Hey, listen, I am positive about this. I have no doubt. No doubt. Just prove me I'm wrong." And they get pissed. Oh, there's such arrogancy. You think you know everything. I don't think I know everything. What, I, what I'm telling you is that I'm very much uh, confident about what I think in the subject. So I want you to prove me wrong. Because, you know, don't, and believe me, if you do that, that will be extremely happy. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, just, just come in and, and change my mind, please. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, 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 I wish a lot. I, man, I, I, where, where, where is this? Where is this show going, man? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know but, this, but anyways, but no, I, I, I think it actually leads great into our next segment too, because I think, you know, while cigars bring a lot of community and they bring a lot of these thought-provoking conversations to light. Yeah. One of the one of our one of the moments that we talk about is within our next segment, which is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. So refuge is more than just a physical place. OK, it can be a state of mind. So some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. So moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Uh, light one up and choose your refuge. So this segment specifically, Luciano, is about solitude. You need you need a second. I just want to say some two things. First, I think it's one of the smartest uh, 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 advertisements that they, the, 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 the asylum ever came up with. I think this is amazing, by the way. Uh, but my, uh, I want to just kind of respond to something I read here, uh, and uh, which is like uh, Skip said something like he said, "You can argue with ideology." You can't honestly disagree on a set of simple proven facts. I like that. I think, I think he's partially right. The only thing is, the only thing is, there's something uh, in philosophy that uh, Emmanuel Kant said, which is there are some certain things in life, and I'm not even talking about positivism, which was his spectrum of philosophy. Okay. There's certain things that are undeniable truths. Okay, so things that you and I, we can, we can disagree in anything, but we can deny that right now we're talking to each other, for example, mm -hmm. or that right now it's 9.59 in California and uh, what, 11, uh, 11.59 in, in, uh, in, in Texas right now. So like... Yeah. There are certain things that are just undeniable. It's called the undeniable truths. It's things it are things that like you know the 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 skies are blue, 
it's raining right now, I'm seated, you're standing. So there are some certain, uh, certain things in life that, that we all agree on. We always agree on. So not every single truth is relative. There are things, especially that are connected with our senses, what we can see, what we can taste, that, I mean, unless if you are dysfunctional, unless if you have some sort of uh, 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 disability, you're impaired, you know, to something, then, then the, the, that kind of uh, plain level field is, is it's, it makes impossible for the, those undeniable truths to be uh, reality. But there are certain realities that we just we just can't deny. So that, and, and again, if we all search for the, the undeniable truths, uh, we also find a lot of common ground. And and the and, and the debate and the discussion comes from a completely different angle. I agree. I mean, you know, you'd mentioned a quote earlier. Uh, one of my favorite quotes about ideology, in particular, is is Edward Abbey. And this kind of goes to what we were talking about about the inability to grow or the ability to learn. So he said that growth for the sake of growth is the ideology of the cancer cell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, 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 it's very, it's very poignant. Um, yeah. um, and I, 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 just, I just love the comment that Skip just made. Now. He said, you always have to make room for a certain level of disability when speaking with some people. <laughs> That's very true. You got to have some forgiveness and, and, and also being, you have to be humble to say that you might be the one with that disability. There, there may be certain layers, certain true. sounds that we just don't hear, you know? It's absolutely true. Yeah. So um, wanted, to, wanted to mention, and I'm really excited to hear your take on this, um, Luciano, with uh, this, our asylum segment tonight, which is, it's all geared around towards solitude, right? And uh, no doubt, you know, as, as Skip mentioned, he's taking vacation time to listen to the show. So I'm honored. Skip, thank you so much. Uh, sincerely. Um, um, I know your daughters probably should be asleep, but uh, the fact that you're taking time away from her to, to, to listen to uh, the two of us chat is, 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 is very special and I appreciate it. But, um, you know, we talked a lot about discussion and that which involves multiple people and cigars are the great equalizer we've talked about this before as well uh, but cigars can also be a very wonderful uh, moment in moments of solitude and i know you've probably had dozens over your over your lifetime luciana but what's a and you don't have to pick the favorite it's just one that comes to mind what's a moment that it was just you and the cigar nobody else so a moment that you remember and what was that moment about and if you can remember the cigar, that's fine. But what was that moment truly about where it was just you and the cigar all by yourself? You asked me that question before in a previous show. So my answer is the same. Uh, I told you about uh, three times in my life where uh, I remember uh, one of them was actually uh, in Minnesota, right by, uh, by the border of Canada in a that's place right. called Lutzen. Um, um, it's actually a Grand Marais but it's between Lutz and the Grand Marais, where uh, we used to go there as a family during Thanksgiving. Um, it was kind of there in Germany. And so, and I remember uh, just driving by myself to, I think was to pick up Cynthia. She was in a city like doing some shopping, you know, like just buying groceries, whatever, I don't remember. But I stopped by this place where you could see Canada on the other side of the, the upper lake. 
and it was very quiet, a lot of solitude. I just stopped the car by the curb, and I remember praying. I remember asking God for one specific thing. And I light up my cigar, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, contemplating the, the nature, and I made that prayer in my mind. And in a fraction of a second, I got the response. And the response was, you're asking for the wrong thing. I'm going to give to you, and you're going to learn that it was the wrong ask. And it's going to hurt a little bit, but you learn your lesson. You know what's funny of human nature is that I've heard all this in a fraction of a second in my prayer, but I still want it. I still want it. And it happened. Uh, it was a moment of complete solitude. Uh, and then, you know, years later, uh, I went to the same place, but I, I believe I asked the right question because my response inside my conscious, whatever you believe, if it's an energy, if it's God, whatever, in my prayers, the response was, oh, okay, now you learn, you ask the right thing. And I, I'm with you. So it was, it was extremely comfort, you know, like knowing that, uh, uh, which is my personal relationship with God and my, my uh, you know, my, it's not even a matter of faith. I think it's just my, uh, one of those moments. Again, I, I respect all religions, all, uh, all, all faith backgrounds. Uh, in, in my particular experience with, uh, with faith, it was like, you know, God just kind of talked to me in a way that uh, it was just undeniable. Like, oh, man. I got it now. So, yeah, and there was a cigar in my hand. What cigar was? It's probably one of the, the 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 samples or cigars that I rolled it that same day or was trying something. The cigar was not important. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really like about this yeah. segment is we get to talk about. Sometimes it's a very memorable cigar and that's part of the moment. And then and it, like cases like this, it's not. And that's what's really kind of beautiful. Yeah, you know what? I was I was just looking into the chat now, and then I thought I was I was reading uh, questions from uh, Skip Hafke, and actually was Skip Martin. So I had no idea Skip Martin was watching this. <laughs> so uh, you know, thank you, Skip, for watching this. So, and uh, you know, I love your brother. Hope you had a great time at Disney with Fiorella and Arlen. And uh, looking forward to see you soon, my brother. Well, Luciano, I, I do appreciate tonight. Um, it's been a fantastic and valuable conversation. Uh, went a lot deeper than I think either one of us were expecting, which was a good thing. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, uh, yeah. We do have one final question, uh, and it is for fun and everything. But uh, And that, of course, is our curveball segment, which is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. So, Luciano, so tonight's uh, curveball question has to do with wine. Mm. So with the release of Mas Ignios, uh, it, like you said, it has to do with the partnership that you've, a project that you've been a part of and everything. So my curveball question is this. If the stars had realigned, do you think you would be as successful as a winemaker as you are a cigar maker? Wow. 
I guess. That's all I can say. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I was blessed and cursed with uh, with a uh, there's no other name disease, uh, and and flavors has been the the way for me to kind of cope with something that uh, you know has been bothering me my entire life. So wines actually my relationship with wine came before cigars. I always, I always, uh, I study wines before I study cigars. I collected wines before I became a cigar maker. Um, but I think they're all connected. So, uh, and I would say the same thing as maybe, you know, I don't know, making something with food. So I guess, I guess. So now the word successful, that's something that I, I dislike because I don't know if I'm successful. What I'll say is I would find, I find pleasure in, in uh, I would find pleasure in making wine. Yeah. I would find pleasure. The life didn't take me there, but I, 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 so we have a guy who works at a winery called Daniel and he is a, he's one of the most brilliant persons I've ever met. So he's an enologist. I think for you to become an enologist, man, I think it's so hard. Uh, might be harder actually than be a, tobacco grower you know mm. uh, or maybe the sandra i think it's a science that i don't dominate but i'll i'll probably i'll probably do well if i wanted to so you, you mentioned this disease and you, you mentioned it by name earlier and we didn't really talk about it so that's uh uh synesthesia right? synesthesia yeah so um for those I obviously know because we've talked about it at the trade show, but there's probably people in my audience that aren't aware that you suffer from this and aren't even aware what this is. So, so talk about it just really briefly. I'd, I'd like to bring some awareness to it because mm-hmm. I think it's, I yeah, think it's there's, important. There's, believe it or not, there's more people than you think that suffer of that disease. Uh, there's a, a center of studies, you know, University of Chicago, uh, um, Hopkins, uh, several places that study synesthesia. It's basically when all your senses are a little mixed up. So the, the area of your brain that actually decode your senses are the same. Uh, I mean, it's very close to each other. You know, they are, they are in the same uh, part of your brain, which is right here, the hypothalamus. Um, but it, I think everybody has a little bit of synesthesia. And it's the easiest way for me to explain is, have, have, have you ever had the experience of someone scratching something that you feel almost pain in your body? Sometimes you feel that kind of agony because someone is scratching a wall and then that noise creates a, a, a lot of discomfort. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Sure. Like nails on a chalkboard, for example. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now think of that sensation multiplied by 100. Jeez. You know, it's, okay. it, it, it can be sometimes unbearable. You know, it's a lot of pain that's connected with, uh, with synesthesia. Or um, for me, the most common thing is uh, my stomach gets upset. Uh, I, and and that there's some times where the headaches are so unbearable that uh, you just can't hide. Because I've learned my entire life how to, how to hide the symptoms and and, and when I was a kid, people had no idea what that was. So I was treated with anxieties, uh, depression, 
uh, panic attack and and you know they're all wrong and I and I tried all sorts of treatments and stuff and to to one day you know I was finally diagnosed and you know for me it's like um, I usually have filters like I see colors all the time uh, depending on the sound depending on the, what I ate uh, and it's it's I, I explain to people that's ninety nine percent of bad stuff. And then you have the 1%, which sounds like, you know, cool superpowers, but it's just like, you know, I have the perfect pitch. Like I, the, your, the sound of your voice, I know what key you talk. I, I can memorize, uh, you know, any, I can listen to a song for one time and I, I can memorize the key, harmonize later, and that will stay in my brain forever. Like the photographic memory for sounds and, and, and taste. So I remember... Like I said, I, I, I remember the, the smell of the leather jacket that my mom used to wear when I was five years old. Mm. Or, I, or I remember uh, I had one dish one time in Thailand, and I remember exactly you know, how that tasted, which, you, which is kind of a little bit of, uh, not cheating, it's, it's just like, uh, I feel like if I have if I have all the tobaccos available in the world for me, I can maybe, you know, smoke one cigar and replicate that cigar if those tobaccos are available. It's just the, the memory for flavors. And again, it's 1% in the midst of a lot of pain. That, that you know, sometimes people just don't know about. But I had situations, for example, with uh, noise. Uh, so kids grew up with me uh, and they had a hard time and they suffered a lot with me as well because sometimes we're doing a road trip and then Rebecca was a baby. She used to cry a lot. And I've learned that when she started crying, I had to stop the car, get out of the car and let my wife handle it so I could come back to the car and continue driving. Or, or like situations where I've learned a song in a certain key and then my wife is singing that song in a different key and I'm in a different room and I can hear from far that she's singing that song in a different key. And that bothers me so much that I would just create an excuse to get out of the house. That's how bad it was. Now, now I'm better. Uh, you know, I can, I tolerate more. And I, again, I don't tell this. I know we are in a live show. Everybody will fucking talk about it now, but um, I go to concerts, man, and I enjoy as as long as I, you know, I, I kind of I'm ready. I prepare myself for. Uh, I'm I'm cool. I can handle it. And and usually when I go to the concert, I gotta sing with it. I got I gotta I gotta really be in. So then I feel good. Um, but I learned so many ways to cope with the with the disease. I just uh, you know I just learned how to handle it. I guess. Like, like you said, there's some really cool things about it but there's i mean like you said there's a lot of pain um yeah. I'll, I'll i'll empathize for one moment just to to paint a comparison uh although i don't to my knowledge like you said i think some people already have parts of it but i my knowledge i don't suffer from but my youngest son and this didn't happen with my oldest both of them cried right you know both of them still cry um mm -hmm. and it's different with my oldest, but when my youngest cries, there's a pitch that his cry hits that mm. just like rattles my soul. 
mm-hmm. like to the i mean i just i i I, I try, I've tried to explain. That's normal. That, that's a good example of synesthesia. Like, we all have a little bit. Our mm-hmm. senses are always... You probably you probably went to a concert one time where, where the, the, the lower frequencies are so strong that makes your stomach upset. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but I know a lot of people who does. Mm-hmm. So, like, you go to a concert and the bass, it's just kind of so much, then you, then you start feeling sick. I think everybody has a little bit uh, some people has more exacerbated, or, or like you said, sometimes it's one pitch that uh, triggers, you know, something that oh my god, it's, it's yeah, intolerable. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, John, I, I'm I'm so grateful to you uh, for spending so much time with me this evening, especially after a very long week. Um, and uh, when you you know, I know probably everybody, Cynthia, and the, everyone's in bed and everything, but I'm sure. Uh, you would rather uh, be resting after such a heartfelt week, but to sit down with me for more than a couple hours tonight, we had a wonderful conversation as always. I learned some things as always, um, and it was wonderful. So thank you so much for your time. I'm very, very, very grateful. It's a pleasure, my friend. And thank you very much for inviting me. I always have a blast talking to you. And I know the conversation went kind of deep tonight, but I, I enjoyed and and I appreciate it. Thank you very much for, uh, for the invitation. Uh, and I, I love being at your show as usual. Thank you. Thank you. Um, like you said earlier, uh, Luciano, I consider you a friend. Um, I know you think of me as one as well, and it's, it's, a, it's a friendship I look, to, uh, look forward to growing uh, more and more over the years. So, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you to our audience for staying up late with us. We got pretty deep. Uh, our audience actually grew as we got deeper. So maybe maybe yeah. we're on to something here. So this is kind of nice. Um, hey, but- hey, listen, I, I want to say something real quick now, Bear. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Jay Davis. The reason why I want to do this is because every time I tune in into almost any uh, show, any any media, any cigar media uh, content, I always see that guy. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I ask myself, I said, why this guy is in everything and i understand now especially knowing jay a little more so we had a couple of events at his store we hang out together for for a couple of times too and uh when he joined pca uh, you know last year when i was at the advisory board we interact a little bit too uh it sometimes the passion for the industry is not just making cigars it's not just growing tobacco it's being uh, a retailer uh, and, and get interested. I, I know very few guys who w- would spend so much time trying to learn and to listen and to hear mm. what people have to say and learn about the brands and, and be, you know, interested in what the cigar media does. So I, I really, I really uh, kudos to, uh, to Jay, man. I mean, he's there hanging out with us here for a very long time. So yeah. appreciate you, Jay, very much. Thank you. And also, I see my friend Garrett here. So thanks mm-hmm. for tuning in a little late, but uh, go back, watch the show, Garrett. So thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yes. Shout out to Jay. Much kudos involved. Uh, like you said, every show, not just mine. Uh, um, he's a huge supporter of all of us, and, and we're, we're, we're incredibly grateful for it. So. Uh, again, thank you to our audience as well for hanging out late with us. You can check out the show by going back and listening to it or you can listen to us later on youtube 
Our YouTube channel is Delosa Fumar. You can also download us wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be available later this evening or early this morning, depending on your perspective. Uh, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe. But please don't forget to resubscribe because that really helps my numbers and I can get great people like Luciano back on the show when I want. So um, really appreciate everyone out there. So for everyone, this was our 216th take. 216 of these. It's unbelievable. As always, I'm Barry Duplessis live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's Luciano Mayrellis. I'm Barry Duplessis. Guess what, everybody? See you next time. See you guys. See you guys.